everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. I'm your host. My name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I have Josh Torres. Hi. Hello. We have James Galizio. Hey, folks. And we have Chow Min Wu. How's it going? So uh, Adam is supposed to be here, but he is, I think, asleep. So he might be rolling in. Uh, it might be five minutes. It might be 50 minutes. It might be never. We don't know. We'll keep an eye out for him. Uh, and the thing that we surmised might happen, if you listened to the podcast last week, um, did indeed happen. So the main two events of the last seven days is that we had both a Nintendo Direct and a PlayStation State of Play on top of the already busy just general release schedule having we would have had plenty to talk about regardless and now we have even more so this is a all of a sudden surprise packed podcast so adam's absence if he doesn't show up will be missed but i believe in the rest of us that we can carry carry that weight and go forward uh so we will still talk about some new releases here at the start of the podcast we'll try to keep it a little bit uh, more brief just in the service of all of the coverage that came out of those two events as well, because we want to make sure we at least hit all the major headlines. Some of the ticky tack, more ancillary stuff might not might not be covered here until it shows back up later in the month, because um, there's a lot of headlines here and want to try to be out of here and at least in not not any longer than three hours. So we'll hit the major highlights. We'll talk about the major uh, games that released in the last couple of days, um, and we'll kind of play it by ear from there. So that sound good to everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not, you know, there's not a ton of news. I mean, not, nothing really in the world of RPGs or anything. We've had worse Nintendo Direct days, Nintendo Direct weeks, but it's still pretty packed. So this isn't the m- most giant load we've seen, but it's still quite a lot. But we'll start thought, out. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought it was a very good Direct, but it's a very niche audience kind of direct. So I could see like all the mainstream gamers just fucking hate it and the Gapoons watching it. It's kind of hilarious. So at least it's what I see. Well, when the direct was going on, I was kind of stuck at work without access to like social media or my phone or anything. So I kind of came to it all after the fact. So I just had like a bomb load of like, here's 30 trailers. I wasn't sure at first what was in the direct, what was in the state of play, what was just independent of both those things. So I believe I got all the details down. But if I if I misstate that something was shown in a direct, but it was just shown on the same day, not in the direct technically, I apologize. Hopefully we'll try to minimize little errors like that. But we'll go on. Um, We're going to start out with um, probably... I'm not sure if this is the most major release of the week, but it's probably got the biggest uh, headline, and that is the release of the first part of the DLC expansion pass for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So I've seen uh, on our site, we've had a lot of guide um, news posts and features going up for all sorts of games, for Starfield, for um, Scarlet and Violet, for this. And I know that James has been taking kind of the uh, taking point on covering this new Pokemon DLC so we'll hand off to him to start out. So James, uh, tee us up. What was because this kind of you know this kind of kind of snuck up on us because it was something that was announced but kind of fell under the radar until it released just in the last couple of days. Uh, what is the new Pokemon DLC? Uh, how's it set up and how are you enjoying it so far? So, um, with the last uh, major Pokemon games in uh, Sword and Shield, um, Game Freak switched from having it be a, oh, we're going to release an entirely new game to, oh, we're going to support our currently released games with DLCs to kind of bring them up to the status of what would have been the third game or whatnot in previous centuries. 
So Sword and Shield had like a dual pack of DLCs, uh, the Isle of Armor and then the Crown Tundra. But they were both in, in one pack. You couldn't buy them separately, which didn't make much sense because neither of them really needed the other to make sense story wise. But uh, one thing they're doing with Scarlet and Violet is they're very explicitly saying, yeah, no, these are two parts of the same story. It's the hidden treasure of Area Zero. And then the first half is this one, which is like called part one, the teal mask. And then the next one will be out later this year. So in a couple of months from now. Um, so <laughs> despite my review for Scarlet and Violet, which, again, just to remind people, I gave it a six. I really enjoy that game. The reason I gave it a six, though, is because and I kind of said this on Twitter earlier, and I, I think it's really the best way to put this. If this had released for literally any other platform and Nintendo wasn't publishing it on that platform, it wouldn't have passed cert. <laughs> it the performance is still terrible uh, and uh, there's still all sorts of glitches and it's just. I part of me was hoping that maybe they would have fixed things in time for the DLC, but it's just as bad as it was at launch. That's not uh, great to hear. <laughs> I, yeah. I would have thought like uh, they would have patched it up by now, but well. yeah, now. But it's like if you if you can get over the performance, which is a big if, it's still great. But like one of the reasons why I liked the Sword and Shield DLC so much is that most of the issues with that game weren't performance, at least if you weren't playing online. If you like turned online play on, then like performance would fall off a cliff in any of the wild areas and basically be as bad as Sword and Shield. Well, worse than Scar. Well, not worse, about as bad, maybe a bit better than Scarlet and Violet. Uh, but like the main problem I had with those games was the content. So having the additional content from the DLC packs really kind of salvaged those games for me. But Scarlet and Violet, it didn't really need any extra content, like maybe like one or two things, maybe like the ability to re uh, challenge the Elite Four, may, um, st something like that. But besides that, it had plenty of content at launch. I really enjoyed the like gameplay changes that they like introduced, like the whole new sort of like framework of it all. But the main problem that I had and seemingly most other reviewers that gave it lower scores had was just the game doesn't perform well. It doesn't perform anywhere near well. And unfortunately, I guess like there's neat stuff that they've added with the DLC. There's a few new like uh, mini game type things. There's like a whole new map, which is not as big as the original game's map, but like decent sized. There's like a bunch of new and returning Pokemon. There's some neat new legendaries some neat new like kind of paradox well not paradox uh, neat new forms of existing pokemon like a uh, blood moon or saluna and it's like it, it, it's good it's fun i wouldn't necessarily say that the first half of the dlc performance aside is something i'd recommend people go like rush out and get uh because it's it's definitely pretty short. It's like maybe 10 hours to do everything DLC has to offer. And I mean everything, like including the Pokedex stuff. How do you how do you access this DLC at like what sort of like level range should your Pokemon be before like tackling it? So you can access this from basically the beginning. So I think it's like uh with the Sword and Shield DLCs where the levels of the Pokemon you're facing is going to be dependent on uh, when you enter it. 
Okay. So if you've already cleared the story, then it's going to be like post game levels. Like the wild Pokemon are going to be like mid to high sixties. Some of them are going to be above level 70. And then like all the trainers are facing are going to be similar. Okay. Um, basically you load up the game once you have the DLC installed and then you literally just get a call like from a, from a character from the, uh, the Academy, whichever game you're playing it like has a different name depending on the academy well i'm depending on the game um and then you just go back to the main building in the main hub and talk to this new npc and then you're on your way pretty quick pretty seamless just uh yeah i i enjoyed it um some of the new pokemon are neat some of the returning pokemon it's great to see them back but again it's like it's it's just disappointing because I was ho- really hoping that they would have fixed things up by now, but no, it's 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 still bad. What this is like, the main hook for like if like I'm like two thirds of the way through um, Scarlet Violet? Like, what is the like? Is there like a signature Pokemon for the DLC or? Yes. I saw. I yes. saw I, okay, because I saw like a lot of the his. I'm going to say this word wrong. Hisuian, like all the ones from Legends Arceus, like a lot of those are making presence in this DLC. I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense that so that when those would appear again. But like, what is like the 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 key incentive to like, oh yeah, I really want to jump on this because that's neat, like a new Pokemon or a new form. So there's basically four new legendaries. There's uh, Ogre Pond, which is uh, a neat little one which has a gimmick where you can give it one of four masks and that changes its uh, secondary type and the uh, typing of one of its moves uh there's uh i think it also slightly changes its stat uh, makeup don't quote me on that um then there's like uh number three that are kind of like part of this uh like trio they're all like a poison type with a different subtyping like there's so there's monkey dory okidogi and then i don't remember how i don't know how to pronounce the name of the bird but there's a bird um <laughs> There's a bird. It, yeah. Uh, so there's that. There's also a new like Ursaluna form, which isn't a legendary, but might as well be a legendary or like a paradox because it's strong. It's the only way you can get it. You get it at level 70. So it's like it's not a legendary, but the way you get it is like similar enough. So there's that. Uh, it's good. It's fine. I, I don't know what I'm going to write about it. I don't know if I'm going to write about it yet. Cause or maybe just wait for the part two, maybe just yeah, for the whole yeah. package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the, we'll, like we'll the, new, the new explorable zone, can you still like use that vehicle Pokemon from the yes. base game too? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like it's good. It feels largely, uh, obviously, by being part one in nature, it just feels like something's missing and hopefully. You know, but I don't think the performance issues are going to get solved by part two, but hopefully it'll be, you know, it'll make sense by part two and something more substantial, seeing how it rounds out the whole thing. It's going to be but, fuck, fucked up if the only way this game runs well is, is on a Switch 2. Yeah. I mean, Any day now. Yeah, we'll see. Um, What's your favorite new or returning Pokemon in this that you saw in this DLC? Um... I I very much do uh, like that uh, they brought back Hisuian uh, Growlithe and Arcanine because I do love especially Hisuian Growlithe. It's just so cute. It's so yeah. cute. It's got like the mop top. You can't see its eyes. Yep. Yeah. All right. 
seems just kind of like more Pokemon, but unfortunately that also means more performance issues. Like it's when we say more of the same, sometimes that can be a good thing, but sometimes that's like, oh, they they still haven't fixed this. They haven't addressed this. This was the key deficiency of the base game. And this would have been a time to have been like, yeah, you know, the, the game itself has a good foundation. It's got a good system. It has a lot of new ideas, but it had this one kind of big glaring flaw, this Achilles heel that it's kind of, oh, reminding you that it's still there when you play the DLC. Is there um, like DLC like exclusive like raid content in this too? Yes. Okay. Uh, so basically uh, when you uh, do the YCOM stuff for like raids and whatnot, which again, that's, I knew a DLC wasn't going to fix this, but the fact that this shitty multiplayer uh, system was already a problem in Sword and Shield that I pointed out in my Sword and Shield review and at the time, people were like, yeah, I can't believe other reviewers didn't mention how dog shit this is. And then they just kept it for Scarlet and Violet. like, God. but anyways, yeah, there's like a exclusive raids to the DLC. And you can tell because if you go like into the Poke Portal for raids and you're online, you'll see like a separate list of uh, raids for the uh, for the region that the DLC is part of the Kitakami region. So. OK. And when's the uh, the schedule for the next part of the DLC? Is it like before before holiday or is it early next year? It's this year. They just didn't say an exact date yet. So we'll probably get that in like a like a month and a half or so. I don't know. Well, yeah, not, the, the, not get it, but we'll probably get the date in like a month or a half and a half or so. The reason why I ask is because it just seems like there's not a ton of incentive unless you I mean, unless you're like you adore Pokemon and you really want to jump in on day one, that's fine. But like, it's so packed right now in September, October, it's like, okay, I'll just wait for both parts because it seems like it's not going to be too long of a wait. Uh, and then you can just kind of pack them both, you know, back to back and kind of get the beat the media experience back in Scarlet yeah, and Violet. I, yeah, it's like I enjoyed my time with it, but I'll, I'll be honest, the main reason I played this at launch was kind of, I don't want to say obligation, but obligation is probably the best word for it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like due diligence, like yeah, we should you know, that that way we can speak to it when it releases, and and you're also kind of yeah. teed up for when the next part comes in. You already are aware of the the new region and things like that. Because the is the second part yeah. of the DLC yeah, going to just expand the no the it's current new, new region. region? Oh, it's another new region. Oh, that's pretty meaty. Yeah, um, but game yeah, freaks I mean, ambitious. If nothing else, it's sometimes it's just like just you know slow down, just let it be, let it cook. I guess is kind of where yeah, I'm at with game yeah. freak right now. Yep. No, but thank you for uh, giving us at least a brief quick look at the uh, new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC. So we'll kind of wrap back into that uh, when the second part releases. And then another release of this week that we'll go ahead and talk to at least uh, for a little bit here is something that I've seen a lot of excitement for on social media, like in our in our mentions uh, and our like following on Twitter specifically. And that is the game Eternites. So I remember when this game was first announced, um, Josh, that it didn't seem like it had a lot of hype behind it. But recently, I've been seeing this game show up a lot more with a, a fair bit of fervor behind it. So uh, tee us up. Remind us, uh, what is Eternites? Um, and you had a chance to play it. And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, I I believe this game was first unveiled like in a state of play, actually, um, or some PlayStation live stream uh, thing some months back. And it was this, you know, action game that definitely had was inspired by Persona. You had like the uh, the anime eye cut-ins. You had sort of like the calendar system, um, very much like try to give you trying to make the impression that like, hey, yeah, we're 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 definitely inspired by the Persona series. 
in that regard. I don't know exactly why uh, there's so much fervor behind the game aside, like, you know, it it's a, an action RPG that's sort of, yeah, but a slimmed down Persona experience. It's it's a, it's the it's the studio size debut project. Um, it's a largely not entirely. It's largely a solo developer endeav- endeavor. Um, um, there, there's like one full time developer who worked on this, and then you know there was some obviously some help you know like in the art, the audio, um, um, and you know the voices obviously and whatnot. But it, it, you know it's for 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 a, for this to be the studio size first debut project. It's it's definitely ambitious, and I, you know, I, I always respect you know people giving it their first shot. Like you know, your 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 first the first thing that you produce and you ship might not always be your best, but it's something that you can always build off of. Um, uh, when you take you know, see what works, see what did it, and then you know, refine whatever you're working on next. Um, well, so, not uh, not being a game developer, I have to imagine kind of getting your first game out there, seeing it on yeah. a store shelf or a digital market. Has got to feel really rewarding, even if it oh, doesn't yeah. have the highest reviews, because then you feel like you know you can do this. You've seen it all before. Nothing is brand mm-hmm. new, and you can iterate at that point. Yeah, it's, it's always scary to get your first one out there. So you know, like this will be so this will be definitely some up some people's alley. Um, for me, uh, I was like, okay, well, it does some okay things here and there, but largely I did I didn't like what I was going for. Um, so the premise of this game, I, I was initially intrigued by this because. I played this uh, a demo of this at a some Steam Next Fest um, event, and like it makes a really strong first impression. Uh, like the basic premise is there's this anti aging, uh, supposedly anti aging drug called the Turnites, and there was like some catastrophic leak uh, across like around the world for it, and it's been uh, it's been turning people into monsters and zombies uh, all of a sudden. As this is happening, the day of you're kind of uh, almost silent protagonist that he does like voice clips and there is some and there's like an oddly like voice scene here and there for like major major things um the, the, like the, the, as this all this catastrophe is like unfolding um he was like going on like this blind date because like he's his best friend shawnee and him were like filling with dating apps and like uh, a girl reached out to him and he was gonna go on, go on a blind date um Obviously, as this went down, um, he he got into the shelter, retreated to the shelter instead. Um, with Chani, uh, a few days later, they emerge from it to see if there are any survivors. They meet up with this uh, with two other girls, uh, a popular pop star named Yuna, and then her other friend that kind of gets killed off right after, like very very like a few moments later. There's like the first hour of the game. You know, um, that other girl that gets killed off. It kind of reminds me of that character from Chainsaw Man. Have you ever watched Chainsaw Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The, uh, the character yeah. that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's the reason why she gets killed off. Because she gets a nervous breakdown, just runs into the... Get killed right off. Um, yeah. And, so, and then the whole the whole objective of, these, of the game is you're taking this train to go travel to this lab uh, to go basically... Um, beat up the the evil god or deity or higher form of being that's kind of behind all of this mess um and then what's supporting you is another kind of like this higher uh being who gave you uh this uh basically the power to kind of fight back against these monsters and uh, for you that takes a form in the takes the form of um earlier in the game one of the primary antagonists um chops off your arm um just slices it off 
and and then and then you buy you borrow the power of this good uh higher entity being to try to to kind of make your what's the the part of your arm that sliced off it's now replaced with like a new arm but it's like uh, like pure energy now so it can like transform to other things so in battle it transforms to like a, a sword a great sword and then like other other weapons to like break barriers of enemies um and then that, that's <clears throat> and then the, the how the persona esque uh aspect of it works is in order to reach that lab from the train there's like these two major walls as in like physical walls that you have to get through uh, in order to get there so these walls act as like persona 5's palaces where um once you've reached that wall you you are given a deadline like a certain amount of days so like you know let's say like 11 days you have 11 days to uh get this dungeon complete you can get it done all in one day or you can uh, spread that out to throughout multiple days um but it's it's up to you just like in you know the persona games i was gonna say that sounds um, familiar yeah yeah <laughs> um so and then you know whether you get it uh done immediately or 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 um get it done like you know almost a day of like in that in that time frame something will happen at the end of that dungeon where you have to like kind of wait till like the actual deadline um because a plot development will happen, and then it'll say, "Oh, like you know, we need a certain amount of days for like basically this event, plot narrative event to happen for the plot to proceed." So, like in that time frame, you have like the the, the free time period where you can go level up your relationship uh, links. Um, you can go, you know, uh, level up like your not level like uh, you can get stat increases by doing very minor activities. So, you know, in this game, there's like. Obviously, you can spend time with people to go level up your relationship with them. You can go um, scavenge out at night um, to go get them what they need, and then that'll get you both stat increases and like in this currency to invest in their skill nodes. Um, and then, or, or if you just want to level up like your this like your bond with them, like because you, you need to reach like a certain bond threshold to like get them like next re- relationship level up event. You can do that, and then that takes in the form of like a mini game, um, which is you know it, it's it's kind of and that's kind of the flow of the game in that in that sense. For you're usually at this dungeon, and then you can either do it all in one go, spread it out, and then in the meantime, during your free time, and you're not doing that dungeon, you go do these other events. Um, in terms of combat, obviously the big divergence here from Persona is action. Uh, and not turn based, and it's very you know it's it's functional, it's basic, but it gets repetitive pretty fast because yeah, like you you have your standard light attack chain, you have your standard heavy attack chain. They all have, both have finishers. Um, you have a, a dodge roll, and if you do a perfect dodge, it'll slow down time around you. And then um, you have um, abilities like like sword abilities that you can fire off. I was gonna say. Uh, do you mind if I interrupt? Yeah, go for it. Uh, a lot of people compared this game to Scarlet Nexus. Is this? Well, I never played Scarlet mm-hmm. Nexus before. Eh, no, no not really. So I'm about to get to that, right? I can see why they compare it, and it's like it's not really quite like Scarlet Nexus. So Scarlet Nexus, it it, it was it was a, a action RPG combat 
as well. But like the the whole thing with Scarlet Nexus, like you're you're traveling with party members to go borrow their abilities uh, in combat, and and like and these uh, they all have different abilities. Like one will make you go uh, super fast. One will give you like a lightning property to your weapon. Um, and you can and you can like combine these together. So like you you can like mix them up and like and have different synergies. And once the two parties Scarlet Nexus come together, you get a lot a lot of experimentation. Um, where like you can like borrow the ability of someone who can multiply themselves. Then you can uh, apply like lightning uh, weapon to all of them, and then go like super fast or something. Like there there's a lot of mix and match in this game. Um, so aside from these like sword abilities that you can do, which you know take up uh, like a, a meter that you can like uh, refill by perfect dodging, um, there as you progress to the game, you'll kind of meet these girls. Um, Yuna's the first one, and then you'll meet uh, Sai and Min uh, shortly after. And uh, these are your three other party members, uh, the, uh, the uh, other girls that 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 are with you that are um, in your party that can be in your party. Are also you know romanceable uh, as well, but um, the their main function uh, like it's is they're kind of effectively like magic spells. So as you're dealing damage, you're filling up this meter, and then once you meet, uh, fill up this uh, like circular meter, you can do this uh, ability called Elemental Fist, and you can choose one of four elements. So like your element is dark, uh, Yuna is fire. Psy is ice and uh, Min is thunder, and all of the and and the, the this game revolves around an elemental weakness system where fire and ice are opposing, uh, dark and lightning are opposing, and you, obviously your main goal is when you do that elemental fist ability is hey I want to target the weakness of this enemy so you might you going so you'll see the weak you'll see the element of the enemy right by their health so it's like if it's ice affinity you want to use fire. And then when you use fire, not only will it do more damage, but it lets you do more follow-up attacks. So once Yuna uses fire on that uh, ice enemy, then since you hit its weakness, you can go to another. You can do go into a QTE sequence in which your main character does more damage. Uh, this is especially vital when an enemy like a boss or an elite enemy has a shield, because you won't do any damage to them at all until all of these shields are broken. So, like, an enemy can have up to one to three shields. So early in the game, when you're still only able to fire one magic spell consecutively because you're still at low relationship ranks with the girls, if, like, an enemy has two or three shields, it gets pretty uh, tiresome because, like, you have to... You're not, you're not doing any damage. You're basically just waiting on the enemy to fill up this bar two to three times to break all their shields, and then you can do damage. And then eventually, when you level up their relationship ranks, they'll be able to uh, cast their magic spells uh, more consecutively, um, based off of like what elemental visibility. So, like, say, let's say I reach like rank seven with Yuna, and I cast elemental fist to like make her fire off her fire spell. Since it's at uh, that high, she can now cast fire two or three times in a row. So you're basically kind of making combat, you know, less tedious as time goes on. But other than that, like, that's pretty much the entirety of combat is you're attacking, and most of the time, uh, extended battles, you're attacking to fill up this circular gauge 
to fire off a magic spell to eventually do do damage. And then as you're like breaking barriers, it'll do like QTE set sequences of like your character uh, breaking the barrier. Um, and then there's like other like you know like a support abilities that your party members can do, like you know healing up, uh, like casting a barrier, slowing down enemies. But that's kind of that's kind of where it's like you you pretty much have seen like everything the combat has to offer within I don't know like the first hour and a half or so maybe first two hours and then it's just rinse and rinse and repeat the the whole game and like that like your your typical battle strategy remains the same which is you you fish for attacks because attacks are easy to perfect dodge so you perfect dodge to get in safe attack strings to fill up this meter to cast magic and then you do it again you perfect dodge you attack to fill up this meter and then cast magic. and that's that's the entirety of combat that's it's it. a it's a it's a hard uh, needle to thread sometimes because um you want the combat to progress so that it isn't oh i know how i know how every encounter is going to play out from hour 1 to hour 20 but you don't you also don't want it to be like where you're handicapped early on or it feels like you've got these shackles on and you can't like you, you, the combat system hasn't opened up yet and it's no fun until you get like these quality of life progression systems built in into the game so you want to make it feel like you're getting stronger that you're getting more tools uh, available to you and this can be done through like equipment or party members or uh, you know ranking up your spells yeah, or whatever uh, yeah but, but yeah but you don't have you don't have like an equipment or like the, the only thing you're right. really doing is getting like these minor stat increases that you know build up over time but you know that's not it's not it's a very it's a pretty like linear limited um progression system yeah um in the game and there's, there's there's like you know it's just a, a lot of little things like attack on so it's like repetitive battles it's like okay then the lighting in this game is like it, it's it's purposely poor on purpose because there's like electricity is kind of shot that you travel around dark environments and the only lighting you get is like kind of dim lighting or like uh neon light uh neon signs um kind of lighting up the area but it's very very dark and to its detriment to the point that's like it's not really it's trying to give like a a, some sort of horror element to it because you know these creatures or or monsters are really like scary but it, it it for me, it was more annoying because like I can't fucking see where I'm going. I have to like kind of hug the walls to see where I'm going. I have to kind of use my my glowing arm as some sort of like shitty flashlight to sometimes know where I'm going. There there are some spots of the game where I flat out didn't know how to progress because I didn't see like a staircase because it was in darkness. I'm like, okay, I guess. So I'd, like I'm so in that but... same boat, I have trouble seeing here. Yeah, crack up the brightness, man. Uh huh. Yeah, it's not good. It's not. It's like it's just. It's just annoying. Even even at max brightness, it's like it's still fucking dark. Um, you know, I like the so idea like, of playing it on PC and like just turning your gamma all the way up and be like, take that, <laughs> take that, developers. Yeah. Uh. So that 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 wasn't great. Um. And then a lot of and then I think the biggest like downfall of this game and it's really hard to nail down, but it it just it just sucks. Like, this is definitely a game that you can tell that like uh persona fans made and like kind of and and but like uh, but the the script writing is just like it's kind of like almost wish fulfillment in an amateurish way and it sucks you know because i think i think in the first like the initial part of the game it's like i I think the writing was okay like at the official part of the game it kind of struck a nice spot between like the tension of the situation and like light-hearted humor aspects but then it really really starts leading into like 
kind of the lighthearted humor in a, in, a, in a way that doesn't really make sense of like the whole situation that's uh, going around them. And like it just has like weird like like one of the examples I gave um, in my in my piece on it is like after like the first dungeon that you beat, it's not, these are, these aren't really big spoilers for the overall plot, just very very minor spoilers. Um, you know, on on one sequence is there, there's a collapsing. As soon as you do what you need to do in the first dungeon, the environment starts collapsing. Uh, you, Chani, and Yuna are running out of there, and then there's a collapsing bridge. You guys didn't make it. You guys fall down. As you were falling down, they're like, oh shit, how are we gonna, like, live through the situation? We need to think of something. And so your character has a flashback, and the flashback was, like, mo- like a-, a few minutes, like, you know, like, at an earlier sequence of the game, he walked in on Yuna changing, so she's like, uh, so she only had her bra on as she was, like, getting to, uh, like, another, uh, changing her clothes. And then, uh, uh, that-, that was a spark of inspiration, so he made a parachute out of Yuna's bra uh, to save them. And it's like, you know, you, you could have you just, like, made up a parachute, just, like, a normal parachute. That's, like, just so... That's so bizarre. <laughs> that's, like, that's the, that's your kind of solution this, out of it. <laughs> did that did that scene actually happen in-game? Like, is the player witness to that scene twice? They see the, the walk-in scene, and then they see the flashback to the walk-in scene before it inspires? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's yep. one of those things where it's, like... Uh, I'm going to write my substantiation for this wish fulfillment kind of scene and you're going to like it. And it's like, oh, okay, it's, I, it's, I it's, it's, it's like, it's like funny, but it also it's just like, this is, but, the, but, but it's also just like, this is weird. And also like, it, it just, there's like such a weird, like dissonance to like kind of make this, uh, that's, that, that's why it was such a pivotal moment to influence that later on. Yeah. And there's like, there's like other like, Stuff in the game that's like kind of you know that's kind of that that kind of spirit is kind of like littered all over the game and it's like it's very hit or miss usually more miss than hit uh, in that regard and it's just it was like okay well I don't know I just feel like it's needed like another editing pass or like just <laughs> it's weird man so I just like it uh, for me it's just like it kind of the 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 tonal inconsistency in that game is very all over this but you know I, I can see why people would like it if they like you know. Like kind of like the the typical anime tropey sort of like plot progression and wishful fulfillment and fan service in that regard. That's the, the because you know there is a crowd for that. There's a there's people who just want that and that's okay with them and they enjoy that and that's totally fine. You know, some people will like it, some people won't, and that's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? so. I, I feel like this game kind of reminds me of those. What is it? Uh, do you remember E Bomb Worlds? <laughs> That's a yeah. very old yeah, yeah, site. Oh god, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of those us. like flash games with the dating games that you oh, can yeah. play there. Yes, yes. Like like new grounds and shit too. Yeah, it, it reminds me of that kind of kind of type of like like the way that people talk. You're not wrong. Game. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're definitely not wrong. God damn, yeah, that's a really good comparison. I, I, I forgot that you were playing it too, child. Like how how far did you get in? Uh like halfway in, I think. Uh, I think yeah. I was playing it as a joke. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe it's not the worst thing ever. Yeah, you it's know? not the worst thing ever. It's like, what do you, what do you think of it? I think it's alright. It's like, I, I could see there's a charm to it, and mm-hmm. I could also see why people would like dislike it as well. Yeah. Like, like it's it's not going to be for everybody, you know? Yeah. And that's not hurtful or anything. It's like, you know, I... I I sort of had a fun time because the dialogue is kind of like my alley in a way. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yeah. very, it's really like a, like someone in high school wrote it or something. It'll be like random scenes, like 
like the characters like, hey it's like do you remember what we did yeah that part that we hid in our grandpa's attic it's like what do you want me to do and you're like yeah. always like get rid of it for him you know it's like yeah it's like it's very childish you you won't see like something like that in like a mainstream title yeah, yeah 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 it, it's uh yeah it's it's very yeah you're right yes but, it, 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 yeah, yeah, you just have like really bizarre fucking dialogue choices that I gave too. It's just... Yeah, it, it feel like you're like someone like in high school wrote it like as a trolling kind of thing, but it comes serious later on, you know. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, like I, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like it's not the worst thing ever, you know. I, I think like I, I heard the game's pretty short too. It's like like I, I have some friends that beat it in like nine hours. Yeah, yeah, that's right, nine to ten hours. So they were like, you know, I think it's like by the time it outs, the game's over before it outstates. Welcome. So. Yeah, I, I I would say that because if, they, if if it was like three walls instead of two, oh boy. Yeah, yes, there's some games that doesn't learn to end, and it feels like oh my god, now it's like 150 hours. I do. I, I, yeah, yeah. Even though you have like the the three romanceable girls, you also have like one romanceable dude. It's not Shani. It's another character that you beat in the game, and I do like him. I like Johan a lot. He's a, he's an interesting character. Um, but he, he but he he joins up more way later into the game to like the back half of the game, back third rather. Um, but uh, I do like him, and the, the girls are kind of like they're kind of all over the place. So you wrote up uh, a feature on the site for this game, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't you didn't score it right because it's it's not it's really kind of, RPG. It's, yeah, it, 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 it's, 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 it's like more it's of like armored core. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it, it could have easily been a review, but so, you know, sometimes it's just like I cover games. It's not really strictly an RPG or like within our scope. So I put it under that branching path um, feature. It's more like uh, more of an intimate opinion, I guess, of the game. So that's yeah. why people ask, like, where's the score? It's like, oh, this is one of those things that's like kind of fell through the cracks for us. It was also like not on Adam's like list. And a few people were like, how how come you don't have Eternites on the list? It's like, oh, OK. Yeah, Adam, what the to fuck? Be, to, be, to be clear, they never really referred to it as an RPG. They always call yeah. it dating action. Yeah, dating some action. That, that we, we usually like. If anything, we we probably we trust the developers to give us the yeah. that they're yeah. that they're doing. Maybe and sometimes, and, but sometimes we do question it. Like there are definitely some developers. Like there's an RPG. You look at the trailer. It's like what? No, this <laughs> yeah, isn't. What are you talking like, about? Like, I don't see the I don't see the RPG here. No. <laughs> yeah, so that happens. No, but thank you for giving us a look in at uh, Eternites and. It, what it does well, what it does maybe strangely, but kind of good to have a look in on that and from both you and a little bit from Chow. And then now that Adam's here, Adam, what we've been doing, we've just been giving 15, 20 minutes to a couple of the games that released this week. Um, so Josh, uh, sorry, James went through the Pokemon DLC, Josh went through Eternites, and now if you'd like, you have a chance here to talk about another release that you can f- talk about now, and that's uh, The Legend of Neuta. Yep. So sorry I'm late. I just stayed yeah, up no way worries. too late last night playing Baldur's Gate 3, as you happens. do. It's okay. <laughs> it's to the yeah, best happens. of us. Yeah, I know those nights. So, so yeah. So coming up, coming out next week, I believe, is The Legend of Neuta, Boundless Trails. Now, James talked about this like six, seven months ago, right? Uh, Something like that. He, yeah, when he played the he played the the Japanese release on PC, and so you, if, you, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you may have heard this already, but so The Legend of Neyuta Boundless Trails 
This is a Falcom title, so from the developers of the Trails series and the E-series and so on and so forth. Now, we've talked about this before, and I know that diehard Falcom fans are already well aware of this, but I know I have seen some confusion about, like, this game's a Trails game, right? Where, like, is, where does this fit in the timeline? And the answer is, is that it doesn't. It's not really a Trails game. The has... only reason they call it a Trails game is the last time they released a Zwei title, it almost bankrupted the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so this game is called, in Japan, it is called Neuta, Neuta no Kiseki, um, but it's not really a Kiseki Trails title. But uh, as James said, it's right. It's essentially the, fo- the follow-up and really the final title in that sort of Zwei uh category it is an action rpg platformer um it's got a lot of zway dna uh it's a little bit of guruman and a hint of like the sort of psp 2000s era east as well although not quite so actiony and flashy more maybe leans a little bit more platformer than action but yeah so this is a an action rpg um that is stage based so you're once you get through some of the I'll get I'll get to the some of the premise stuff later but once you get through some of the opening segments of the game you're you're literally accessing stages from a map that's not too dissimilar from like Mario 3 you know like nodes on a map so it's a stage based game you access these stages they take like 5 to 10 minutes each you know they're obviously shorter in the beginning you get a little longer as you go along and you're going through these stages and uh, you're fighting enemies in real time. There's a lot of uh, uh, platforming, some puzzle elements, and things of that nature. So it is very different from like a Trails game. But I guess if you got confused thanks to the uh, titling or the aesthetic or whatever, I guess it worked. The confusing titling worked. That, that, that was kind um, of the point, right? <laughs> a little bit. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, getting people's attention, even though it's not really what they were maybe wondering if it was. Anyways, the premise. So the game itself uh, takes place on Remnant Isle, and you play as the titular Neuta. And this island has a strange phenomenon that takes place in that ruins fall from the sky. Little star shards and other things. Kind of mysterious things. And they're very weird. And these little star shards that fall from the sky, when they're put under like a, like a magical microscope that they have in the... In the uh, in the city there on Remnant Isle, it shows like images of like an other world. Uh, they call it, I forget exactly what they call it. It's like an Eden or something. They're like, we don't know where this place is, but we see glimpses of it. We see images of it. It's beautiful, you know, but we don't know where it is. And Neuta's parents were basically dedicated their life to finding this place. And Neuta basically, who is now an, who is now an orphan, his parents have passed away, is basically taken on the mantle of trying to find this place. And one day, one fateful day, a gigantic ruin falls from the sky. Usually they're like little tiny meteorites that you could hold in your hand. But one day, a gigantic ruin falls from the sky. He goes to explore it, and he finds in that ruin a little fairy. She's about a foot tall. She's got pink hair, little pigtails. And her name is Noi. She's kind of in a lot of the key art for the game. And um, she, he basically, long story short, he kind of follows the fairy, and he finds a way to the other world. But it's not in the best of states, and he basically needs to go through these to different guardians of this world to fix a gigantic contraption known as the Astrolabe. And I'll kind of leave it at that for now. So 
you basically play as Nayuta and Noi kind of side by side. Nayuta has like either a one-handed sword or a two-handed sword. They have a slightly different attack combo where Noi sort of tags alongside as your fairy and she does magic attacks from afar. So as you progress through the game, um, the game, I'm trying to think the best, probably one of the the most successful components of the game is that it has a very great progression to it, very great feedback loop, in that every level you do, uh, you, uh, how do I put this? So when you go through each level, not only is the objective to get to the end of the level, but there's also a couple of different bonus things you do in each stage. One, you are uh, searching out these three hidden purple crystals in each level. Literally all they are, are just kind of like, you know, little optional objectives on the side of the path, on the side path, is if you are able to find them, they're sometimes tucked away, sometimes there's a little mini puzzle to find them on a hidden route. Um, you can find all three of them, and you get a star if you do that. And then if you find the treasure chest in the dungeon, uh, you get another star. It's also hidden away. And also each level has a little bonus objective. So the bonus objective ranges from like, deal deal so much damage with your magic or deal do deal kill so many enemies or go through the stage fast enough or don't take damage or don't fall and things like that and if you do that you get another star and you basically turn in these stars to your master back on the island and you it's like a stamp book and you progress through the game by turning in these stars and he gives you new abilities sometimes new equipment sometimes new uh, moves like like a dodging in the air or sometimes like a different sort of blocking and things like that. And then each level also has um, you also get new equipment um, that raise your stats. You uh, you unlock new magic for Noi as you go through the stages. And really overall, the game just has like a really great feedback loop. You always feel like you're getting something new. You always feel like you're getting a new ability, a new weapon. Um, and the stages don't don't take that long to, to, to play through. It's a very good, nice pick-up-and-play game, which a lot of that sort of 2000s-era Falcom was, that you, you'll kind of get the hang of things in a matter of 10 minutes. Very, very quick. And so... Was this originally a is. PSP game? Yes, I didn't mention okay. that. This game came out... I, I should have mentioned that earlier. Um, I sort of assumed that people knew. Well, uh, that's what I game, thought, but the way you were describing that nature of its pick-up-and-play, like, yeah, that's based on the... No, the, it, like it, that, it, 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 it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, everyone's already aware that this game actually came out like 12 years ago, right? Like, no, <laughs> I forgot. I mean, I didn't mention it. Um, so yeah, this game originally released on PSP back in 2012. And so this is its first English language release in a remaster form, you know, 10, 11 years later. So yes, this is a PSP game. So all of my mentions about it feeling, feeling like that era of Falcom, um, that's where kind of it stems from. But that's kind of the the game is very charming. It's got that sort of lighthearted, adventure vibe. It's not like a super epic, dramatic, melodramatic, you know, game. It's got um, some dramatic maybe story sequences, which I'll get to in a moment. But otherwise, it's very charming. It's very lighthearted. It kind of feels like Guru, uh, Guru Min, which is another Falcom title. Not quite so uh, colorful and comfy as that, but... Um, that's kind of the the feeling that it has. Now, uh, in between the levels, there are some side quests that you can do at your main uh, in the town on Remnant Isle. You basically uh, are transferring between 
the stages and remnant aisle in between each stage. And there are like quests you can do for the townspeople. There's like 25 total in the game where sometimes it's just, you know, a little side story where you just have to talk to the the NPCs in a certain order. Sometimes they might have you go to a certain level to find like some sort of secret objective. Um, sometimes it even leads to like a little optional like mini boss fight and things like that. And these uh, these side quests, you know, they kind of reward you with the typical things, money, sometimes equipment, sometimes uh, a new ability for Noi and things like that. Uh, it does, the one the one part of the place where this game does sort of feel like a Falcom or like a Trails game is that uh, there, the NPCs in the town, there's maybe 10 of them, 12 of them. Uh, and what they do change their dialogue very frequently so it is, if you're the type of person who loves talking to NPCs and lo loves checking in on them and seeing like they're almost like these micro stories of the NPCs uh, throughout the game, you can kind of, after every like after every like plot beat, you can kind of just go back and see what they have to say. That's probably the one place where the game feels most like an actual Trails game is that you have a lot of NPCs with changing dialogue, um, kind of in a, almost like a, a miniature version of all the different trails NPCs that that series is sometimes somewhat known for. Now, I forgot that this game had voice acting. Uh oh yeah, yes, I didn't it does. Mention. It has Japanese only voice though. acting. No, this has English. Um, okay, does it? Okay. It nice. does it. Nice. Yes, okay. Yep. Right. Now, okay, I only play the PSV version, so I wasn't sure they would kind of dub it. Yeah, it's not like the uh, the uh, the Crossbell games that didn't get a dub. They did dub this game, and the reason why they did probably is that there's not a lot of voice acting. It's one of those games, at least I played it with the English voices, and it only only like the main scenes are dubbed, like not the NPCs, not usually, um, and only like main cutscenes are dubbed. So it's like a partial dub. I don't know. If, I'm assuming Japanese is maybe similar. Like it, it, I don't think this I think is so. a voice game. Yeah, I, I think that's the I'm, case too. I'm not sure, but I actually didn't hear a lot of the voice acting. Because I I don't know what this says about me, but this game does have like a speed up feature, mm. and I uh, and I sort of just like played the cutscenes on like one and a half speed. <laughs> that's how I play these games. And when you do that, it actually cuts out the voices. It just gives you the dialogue bubbles. And I'm old school. All I just need the dialogue bubbles. I'm reading I'm reading the story. I'm not skipping it. But like I don't need to hear the voice actors say their lines. I can just read it. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, so I didn't actually hear a lot of the voice acting. The little bits I did hear here sound get, I did hear here and there was, you know, sounded seemed totally competent and fine. Not like absolutely stellar, but you know, it's nice that it's there. It's, and, it's always funny because like uh, when people like I, I do those too with recent Falcon games. Like I usually just have the turbo up to like the highest speed. But it's always funny when my friend who speeds runs the trails games, like you have that turbo up feature. Whenever people walk in and they don't know they had never seen the speed up feature or like a trails game they it's like the, all, all the cutscenes look janky and all the animations are all set up like is this how the game's supposed to look it's like yeah don't worry yeah. about it <laughs> it just looks crazy anyways the one part about this game that is probably the least disappointing is its actual story it does you get mean, a little bit i mean most disappointing or yeah the most disappointing what did i say Least disappointing. <laughs> All right, most disappointing uh, is that the story—it's very unoriginal. It's kind of predictable. Now, 
the thing is, is it clearly doesn't place as much of an emphasis there as, you know, a Trails game or even most story-based, like, RPGs. So it's, like, on one hand, it's, it's, there's nothing super interesting about the narrative. It's something you've seen before. It's kind of trite. It's not, it's not, like, actively poor. It's just kind of, there's nothing to latch onto. It's just it's, it's just there. It sounds like it's just <laughs> fine. It's fine. Yeah, actually, it would, maybe I'd say a notch less than fine. It is kind of okay. like, oh, this villain it's, and his motivation okay. I've seen I've seen a hundred times before. It's very tropey. And, but the thing is, is that it's clearly not like the focus of the game. So there's a little bit less emphasis there. There's not that many cutscenes. It's a it's pretty light up until like maybe I don't know seventy percent of the way through the game. So it's so the story isn't very great, but the game doesn't place a lot of focus there anyway. So do you get what I'm saying? It's just mm -hmm. that's not really the reason to play this game. It's just if more you, like a foundation to like engage with the like how, yeah. how the game itself. And now, like for example, the game actually has this sort of seasonal. Um, uh, kind of what's the word I'm looking for theming to it where there's four different uh, locations in the game sort of like northwest south east and then there's also four different seasons in the game um, and each stage actually has a version of it for each of the different seasons that you can do for like optional objectives or kind of a more difficult version of the stage or more points for your stamp card and things like that uh, and it's kind of the story kind of that kind of fits that sort of formulaic uh, pro forma overly structured architecture where it's like you have to get the four MacGuffins you got to fit them in the you know in the four different spots and it's it kind of feels very video gamey in that sense uh I think Brian knows what I'm talking about in terms of how yeah. these games sometimes kind of overly structure themselves to fit a perfectly coordinated four structure thing yeah here. like it's a, like they make it they make it so that both the story and the gameplay is symmetrical in a way right exactly um so it's kind of like, that's just how it works. Uh, I, I was actually talking to a friend who played the PSP version, who loves the PSP version. They love it. They think it's an excellent game. And I told them, like, yeah, only the story is poor. And they're like, I don't even remember what the story is. So that's kind of, that's kind of the point. They love the game, but the story doesn't matter. Um, and I, I'm kind of in that boat. I maybe am not. I don't. I don't. I, I scored the game an 8 out of 10. I think it's really good. I don't think it's like. You know, I don't know if it would be in my like top three Falcom games, but it's, you know, up there. It's maybe top five, top ten. I don't know. I played a lot. So it's it's a good game. It's it's the it's clearly the best in that Zway kind of genre, that Zway uh I know it's not technically a Zway game, but it pretty much is. And it's it's the most robust game in that style. It's got a great feedback loop. Um very charming. The presentation is great, considering it's a PSP game. Good music. Just kind of, as long as you go into the game kind of aware of what it is, I think you'll have a good time. I should also mention that the game is not super long. You can beat it in about 20 hours or less, including post-game. Uh, is this uh, like a, a full price release? Or what, what's the pricing on this game? Uh, I think it's 50 so it's pretty, you know, it's not fully priced, but let me see. Yeah, I, I, I forgot. I don't know. If, I don't know if the Steam page has a. Oh, I mean, the Steam page should have a price. I don't know if it's. Let me go check. Mm -hmm. uh, that is forty. Oh, forty dollars. Yeah. 40. So it's not a full price game. Okay. Um, you. I mean, you could still argue that forty dollars for a PSP game. It's like, come on. 
it's forty dollars. That seems about apt. I mean, the people are like uh, the, there are going to be people who like uh, criticize this game because of dated visuals. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've actually written about this, and I've said about, and I've you know I've stated this on the podcast before. I don't mind. Like, what's the alternative that we just never get this game? You know, I'm glad that companies like NIS America or Exceed sometimes will take a game that never got an English release and hey, here's an English release finally. What are they supposed yeah. to do? You know, I, yeah. like I'm it's gonna it. you, as long as you go into this game understanding that yes, this game actually came out 12 years ago originally, and this is you know a remastered version of it. Uh, I I actually think the uh, the little the PSP style uh, models are pretty charming. It is sort of funny when it like pulls up like the highly detailed character art right next to the model. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny just like uh, seeing the discrepancy there. But I think it's actually sort of cute because the characters are like slightly misshapen, being PSP models. Um, but it's very colorful. The game is very colorful. Um, the PC port is done by Durante. It doesn't have like the wealth of options that a lot of Durante um, PC ports have, and he's the guy behind the PC ports behind. A lot of the East and Trails titles, if you're not aware, um, but it's it's rock solid. Uh, James played most of his playthrough on the Steam Deck, as as he said, yep. and it worked perfectly there. Um, obviously, you wouldn't really expect a remastered PSP game to have many issues with modern PCs, and it doesn't. It just doesn't have as many like options as you would normally see, but it's otherwise it runs perfectly well, no issues there. This it's is also actually coming, one of those... It's also coming to. PlayStation and Switch, or just Switch also, along with PlayStation PC? PlayStation and Switch. Okay. Yeah, PlayStation 4 and Switch. And those are both Falcom internal developed ports. Yeah, because so, they they ported it to PS4, and then they also ported it to Switch. I think the Switch version was the first time Falcom themselves did a Switch release. Yeah, it was one of the very first ones. And so my point is, is that unlike Trails from Zero... Um, there's not going to be some weird circumstance where, in in that case, in Trails from Zero's case, the Switch version is a much better port than the PS4 version. PS4 version because Durante did the Switch version of that game, but that's not the case for this one. So if you're playing this on console, shouldn't matter which version you get. You know, whichever one you prefer, they should be pretty much even. But yeah, good game. It's releasing in a hectic month. Um, but if you're interested in it, it's not a very long game. Uh, it's the best of that style, like I said. Really good feedback loop. You know, just a very charming, lighthearted game. I, yeah, I, I, like the unfortunate, like the games this month that I can't, like I just don't have time to get to is th- this game and uh, I, uh, Wandering Sword that also came out on PC. I, and I was actually telling myself, like, I don't need to play Lies of P, right? You know, it's just another Souls-like. And then apparently it's one of the better kind of Yeah, I've seen people say that like I've seen multiple people say that this is the best non from soft souls like and it's like I'm not oh. sure if I'll agree with that because Neo 2 exists, but I'm sure it'll be yeah. like at least as good as Neo 1 and that means it's going to be a good time. I, I need to like start making a list of like unfortunate things I couldn't get to in September that I need to. It's like uh, like now you think I've already played by dev dev, but I, I played the original PSP version, so I definitely want to play that again. Um, Wandering Sword. I, I my, some of my friends have been playing it, and they've, you know, there's some like you know, jank to it, but they seem to be liking it a lot. 
Uh, it's been getting really good uh, reviews on Steam as well. Like the really Bane Kaitos remasters on Switch. Bane Kaitos remaster, yep. Um, that came out uh, this week as well. That doesn't exist until it's on Steam. That's true too. That's I kind oh. of holding out for the for the PC version. If they like, it's not it's not officially announced. We're just like crossing our fingers, and most likely it'll come to PC. Um, and um, Lies of P. So that's uh, man, September. Man. And as you and the reason why I'm. Like I said, the reason why I'm late to this podcast is like, I gotta finish Baldur's Gate 3. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. really enjoying it, though. I'm in the final act. Uh, tangent, but I'm in the mm-hmm. final act, and it's just, the final act is, I, I think like 10 hours ago, I thought, like, I'm near the end, right? And like, no, I probably have like 20 hours, 25 hours left, but it's been pretty good stuff. Like, I'm, you know, it's longer than I expected, but I'm enjoying it. It doesn't feel like it's dragging, so that's always good. So. Yeah, man. But I mean, sometimes, fucking... sometimes with sometimes with games like this, you're just like, just end already. And I, there's a hint of that here, but I feel like I'm still enjoying myself quite a lot. You know, I, I, there's I, more I, left than I expected. I, I think a, a common sentiment at the end of the year is going to be like, Larian Studios feels feels like they like pulled off the impossible this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with Baldur's Gate three, like I'm also like Adam and I have been pretty much playing it side by side, uh, virtually anyway, and I'm also in Act Three. And there's there's areas where I I remember like I had to I had to pause on it, um, because I I had that uh, trip, and you know Act Three there are some quests that are bugged and there are some like things that aren't quite as polished as the stuff that had early access. And I don't want to say yeah. I don't care, but it feels like it doesn't affect my enjoyment because everything else is so well put together. But anyways, I, we've had plenty of opportunity to talk about Baldur's Gate Three, so I don't want to labor that but also like i still have it i've downloaded but have not booted up starfield i did finish sea of stars um mm. being bait, bait and kaitos i have no idea when i'm gonna get to that uh and then speaking of lies of p um we did get a review up on the site an rpg site um josh tolentino was able to cover this for us and adam maybe you you spoke to him more than i had i don't know if he has a lot of experience playing these like sorts of like this genre of game or if there's some, something off the cuff for him but he enjoyed it uh quite a lot um so he basically spoke to that in his review uh, up on the site. Call, he, calling... he, his, his, his takeaways are basically that, like, um, first of all, the Pinocchio kind of element to it, he said, is extremely loose. It might as well just, it pretty much is its own story, just with a very loose Pinocchio kind of connection. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like to like, uh, like get like your attention at first. Like, how do we get everyone's right. attention on it? Mention Pinocchio. If it was just a, not Pinocchio and it's just automatons in in Europe or Italy or wherever it is, then it like no one would care or less people would care. That's fucked up way to uh, uh, talk about Steel Rising, Adam. Yeah, though no, I actually I actually <laughs> mentioned it to him that like this game is similar to Steel Rising. Um, if I, I reviewed Steel Rising, uh, I have not played Liza P yet. Obviously, it's not out yet. Um, but it seems like this is a more polished game. Steel Rising kind of had that. It was almost like a Euro jank Souls like. It was okay, but this game seems more polished. Um, I think uh, it, 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 has similar, of... it just had a similar aesthetic yeah. with the automatons in that century. You're not wrong. Euro. Yeah, so, it's kind of a weird coincidence. I think Lies of P is out, but like it's like an early access, expensive oh, edition yeah. type of deal. Yeah. I hate, I hate, I hate that paradigm. It's out. It's, it's out if you pre-ordered, or it's out if you paid extra, but not if you didn't. And it's like, yeah. who, who's, what's the company that first started this? Because I feel like they have a lot to account for. 
Uh, I don't know if they started it, but Sega had quite a number of those. I, I, I'm thinking of like EA, like a few years ago. Like uh, I think they they started messing around with that. I, I remember them being one of the earliest. I don't know if they were the ones, but I feel like EA started it some time ago. I know that Square Enix tried to do something similar with uh, DSX uh, Mankind Divided. Something uh, similar. Maybe God, I, it was I, them. I forgot. I forgot if, if, if Atlas did this, but I still cannot. Uh, like did, did did Atlas do this SMT Nocturne's re-release the expensive edition to Nocturne? They did it with Persona Five Strikers. Yeah, yeah. The, the one with Nocturne just still cracks me up. It's like <laughs> you could play this billion-year-old PS2 game early access, pay up. <laughs> like okay, or you can just buy the PS2. <laughs> don't don't say that. They're gonna they're gonna get the they're gonna get some lawyers on you. That's <laughs> not allowed. And then uh, also up on the site, we did get a follow-up interview with uh, Sabotage Studios, who is the studio behind Sea of Stars. So this uh, Paul Screlly was able to put this together for us. So the the review of the game was, we called it out also by Paul um, last week. So he got the opportunity to follow up uh, with an interview with the developers as well. It's fair, as worth mentioning once again, even though it's at the very top of that, there there is spoilers for Sea of Stars. There, so people have been getting mad at this because there's spoilers. They're just like it's at the freaking top of the article. The, the it, it does say yeah, there is no spoilers. Admittedly, admittedly, we didn't say it in the tweet, but it's like when you click the link, you don't see any spoilers right away, but you do see a big spoiler warning. It's right there. It's always been there. You gotta read. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is so. You know, this is this is the type of thing where the interview is kind of structured in a way in that it's like a it's like a debrief. You know, once you've beaten the game, book, bookmark the page. Once you've beaten it, you know, let's see what we had to say with the developer without without having to be so cagey about what they can talk about. You know, it's full spoilers. Uh, open. I think open I think board. that makes sense because otherwise it's just kind of like reverse marketing almost, where it's like we yes, can't say exactly. anything specific, but we're just going to talk about how we're proud of the work we did, which of course they're allowed to be, but we. When they when you can actually go into this character, this plot beat, this detail, how this came together without having to avoid tiptoe around it, it feels like it could be a lot more meaningful. Yeah. So one sort of interesting thing about this interview, I'll just this is not a spoiler. The, this is the part that I found interesting is that um, the, the the creative director's name Thierry Boulanger, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, um, he's French Canadian, and growing up they only spoke French. Um, and a lot of games that came out in North America at that time, they, they're not going to have French language. So uh, he spoke French. He pl- he picks up Chrono Trigger. And he even says in the interview, we didn't speak English. Um, they bought the game. He even thought the game was co-op um, mm. because of the uh, box art, mm-hmm. the classic box art that shows uh, Marl doing fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, which, which but, you can't uh, even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, he played through the game not knowing really what was going on, but he just loved the aesthetic of it, the feel of it, the mechanics of it. And um, that's actually sort of what he says is kind of the, uh, the kind of the vibe that he wanted to do with Sea of Stars. Now, there's cynical ways you can look at this, but he, he said it's a lot about the feel of the game, like a summer, you know, kind of a place you don't want to leave, mysterious, things like that. Um, and it actually, to a, actually, to a small extent, one thing that this... The, I, I might get flack for this, but to a small extent, this actually reminded me of Akatoshi Kawazu 
who played games in English without uh, like oh, yeah, yeah. without uh-huh. having without understanding them. And I just think that's kind of neat that it's like, even though you don't know in in two different, very different, you know, cases here, you, you can enjoy pick up a game and play it and kind of enjoy it, you know, parts of it, components of it, uh, without really understanding what's going on and just kind of going with the flow, kind of just with the mechanics of the game, the vibe of the game, even though you don't really know uh, the dialogue or what's happening, you kind of just you kind of just grasp it what you can so that i thought that was kind of interesting yeah now, uh, now you could argue you could be cynical and be like well if he didn't understand the story then why did he care or like you know he couldn't even tell if a game had a bad story or a good story it's like that's not really the point yeah so, I, I, think, I think it's like a, 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 i feel like that 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 spirit of that center has been lost like like i i remember when i like uh, when i imported like uh, like P, like japanese ps1 uh games you know like you like in the philippines they kind of just really sold them and just pirated them on disc and then they just kind of sold them at an absurdly like low price like some of them didn't have english language on them and uh, you know obviously nothing fucking is localized in filipino or, or in tagalog rather um and you know and i didn't really have english understanding at that time and i sure sure couldn't fucking speak or read japanese but you know i still fucking played ps1 some ps1 games in japanese and like I just liked how it looked and how it played it. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but it was just like, man, this feels this this feels cool to play. You know, That's what I, I did it. as yeah. a kid. I did it with like Tales of Eternia. I beat yeah. the entire game somehow, and I fucking enjoyed it. And I couldn't understand a single fucking word. Yeah. No, so, this know, isn't I, quite the same. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I'm a I'm an English speaking American, so most games I released <laughs> here were English. Um, but I did import because I was an idiot. I imported. Actually, I pirated uh, Fire Emblem Sacred Stones before I got an English release because I just wanted to play it. So I just pirated the Japanese version and just played it. And what's sort of funny is that game, even without text, that game is so straightforward in its in its story. You pretty much know what's going on. You you can kind of glean the story like without being able to read a damn thing. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, yeah, uh, so we have the Liza P review up on the site. We've got the Legend of Neyuta Bound the Trails review. We've got the Eternite's uh, opinion feature. And then we've got the follow-up debrief for Sea of Stars. And, of course, the Sea of Stars review just from last week is up there as well. Well, we've made it to the news section of the podcast in just a little over an hour. So that made, made pretty good time on the early section. So that works out yeah, pretty well. Not for Adam to get, to get in here and be like, thank you, Adam. Mm-hmm. You made it. So uh, obviously, like we said, the main two bundles of news came from the Nintendo Direct and the State of Play. We'll likely talk about the State of Play first because it has one, of course, very key, very obvious, likely in the thumbnail of this uh, this podcast topic that we want to talk about, and then a few other headlines, and then we'll go into the Nintendo Direct, which is a little bit more of a of a smorgasbord, some big surprises, another one that'll probably be in the um, thumbnail of this podcast. Uh, and then a few other little smaller announcements, indie announcements, release dates, and a few trailers for some already announced games. So, of course, the very first thing we're going to be talking about is the look-in and release date announcement for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We got a long, like, three-and-a-half-minute trailer for the game. We got a um, a PlayStation blog post. We got some comments from uh, Tetsuya Nomura. Um, we got some store page details from like the the, the PlayStation Store. Yeah, I gave it a little bit more, um, and then of course uh, the trailer content itself. So, uh, Final Fantasy mm-hmm. Seven, Re- Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth. 
when I watched this trailer, the thing that kind of surprised me about this... Hold on. Before you go to that, you should probably just lead with what people want to hear first. What is it releasing? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it is releasing on February 29th, 2024, which they said winter. So I'm like, okay, I guess that's kind of as far out as you can get for like winter, but that checks out. So right at the end, also, 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 can, can we appreciate that this is like what one of who knows how many games that's releasing on a leap year day? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, yeah, obviously, there's only coming to PlayStation Five right now. It's like a timed exclusive as well, just to remind mm -hmm. people. So the, when I watched the trailer for this, so the trailer is um, basically uh, a combination of cinematics and gameplay with a lot of the voice acting clips from like cutscenes, kind of like spliced in, which is a style of trailer I've never really liked, where you hear someone speaking and then the footage accompanying that vocal line is you have no idea if it's taking place at the same time or it's completely independent. Um, but anyway, that's the sort of trailer it is. There's a lot of footage across um, a lot of familiar events. If you're familiar with Final Fantasy VII, uh, I have kind of two comments when I first read this, uh, when I first watched this trailer is that one, I was kind of surprised how much I like recognized from, so I replayed Final Fantasy VII right before the, the first remake came out. Um, and there are a ton of things to like, recognize and be like oh i remember that oh yeah that part or the, this nostalgic part um for the trailer and there's not a lot else in terms of like there's always this tendency we even saw it with the final ever crisis trailer to like wink and nudge like oh there's something you don't know yet or this thing's a bit different isn't it and there's, there's a little bit of that but they don't do a ton of that i also do wonder though that like the way this trailer is formatted if you are a newcomer to final fantasy with the remake series I don't know how much it lands because it's a lot of like divorced, disconnected events um, where I might say like, oh, that's Junon. Oh, that's the parade. Oh, that's the golden saucer. But like other people are just like seeing things like, oh, that's a thing. That's a thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if they get the same sort of thing, but I, and I can't ever know what what someone like. This is kind of when I wish I wish George was here so that he could uh, he could <laughs> tell us what his impression is as a as a new starry eyed Final Fantasy fan of what he thinks about this trailer. Um, what do we think about it? I'll hand it off to to Adam first. I didn't watch the trailer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll rescind. Wait, let me, let, me, let me be clear. Let me be clear. So the reason why I didn't watch it is because I was at work, and as soon as I came home from work, I spent I don't know eight hours catching up on like news posts and stuff. So I never had a chance to watch it. Sorry. Also, you fell asleep. Well, after that, all right. I did. All right, Josh. What do we think about the trailer? I mean, I, I like I, I was one of those people. It's like okay, and like I wasn't like when when Rebirth first showed up as trailer, I was like okay, sure, you know, I was more like a whatever. Like I, I'm st I'm definitely gonna buy it and play it because I played remake. I liked remake quite a bit. That's not like I don't like go over the moon for it, but I, I liked it a lot. But I am like, the over the moon guy. I thought this trailer was god tier, <laughs> and I, I should have uh, handed off to Chow for I, it. I I mean I, uh, the yeah like like but I'm talking about like my impressions of like re like right, like remake and like uh, of um like I I liked it and then going to rebirth I was like yeah okay I'll I'll see I'll definitely continue playing obviously but I th I think this game this trailer like really really got me excited uh for it because it just showed off a lot more of like the game itself and what you're actually doing in the gameplay 
Like, we know it's going to be more of an open-world structure. We're never going to be uh, traveling around. We knew that, obviously, we're going to be able to ride chocobos and do, like, these combo attacks. We showed, showed in the first trailer, but, like, just, like, see, seeing and recreating these memorable moments, like, seeing Ketchi in the trailer, seeing their, uh, uh, their battle animations, their like, gigantic Moogle, and then, like, the, the, the synergy of, like, Aerith uh, feeding the big-ass Moogle the energy balls to fire it from its fucking stomach and and uh, and then the, the the whole journey into the golden saucer and seeing you know like almost like g-bike or whatever the, the motorcycle valves and then like seeing like a boxing mini game with like super super high-res hd reimaginings of like the blocky polygons for the original and seeing that recreated in it and then you follow that up with like the see the Tifa encountering a weapon, and then you see it with like the teasing the the awakening of Vincent. It's like it's all, it's all thrown at you so fast, and you just can't be helped. But like like as a player who played the original, you can't help but feel starstruck because it gave you so much of like a mix of like what you remember, but also what's what what it's new, what's presented. It's like all all prettied up as well. That's it's it's hard. I can't imagine. Anyone who was like a fan of the original Final Fantasy VII to not at least be a little bit interested now after watching this trailer. Well, some people still hate the remake. I mean, yeah, for sure that like like people still hate this like the remake of the two. But I, but I imagine for a lot of people who played the original, you can't help but be, be at least a little bit interested. To be like, oh, that that's interesting. That like they're they're going like they they recreating this like this or they're showing off it off like this or this looks really good like in this like new like new style new this like in modern graphics you know i think i think that's what that's the 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 strength of the trailer it just like it 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 prevents you so much information and so fast that you can't help but like feel like it feels overwhelming but like in a really good way because it it gets you thinking as well in a lot of ways it kind of feels like this is what people wanted to see like four years ago, five years ago, before before all the details of like, oh, it's going to be three games. Oh, the first one's only going to go through Midgar. Like when they heard Final Fantasy VII is being remade, they wanted to see, you know, exploring the overworld, Chocobos, uh, Vincent, uh, is he going to be optional this time or not? Who knows? Uh, We're going to see like Ketchy and like the whole party, not just the four that you get in the original remake. And obviously just having an environment outside the, like the steel, environment of midgar um so a lot of it feels like kind of like you know we we've been waiting for this and now we're finally kind of seeing glimpses of what we what was in our mind's eye half a decade ago yeah this is kind of like part of the reason why like i didn't like fall really super over the moon in love with remake is because by its very nature of like you being just a midgar it progresses pretty linearly you can't really there's some side quests you can do some stuff, but it's pretty. You're pretty railroaded, uh, like you know, yeah. throughout it, and but, like you know, it's understandable why. But it's like it's definitely you're you're kind of going through the motions, and it was nice like seeing it, like revisiting it. But a lot of what I really like about FF7 is not in the Midgar se- section of the game. It's everything that comes kind of after it. You know, once you get access to the open world and seeing where does the journey take us next. That, those are the things about FF7 that I really think to a lot is that 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 sense of adventure of like seeing how how does the story develop from here and like having remake and at right before where 
the stuff that I was interested in got to there, like it felt like a big barber free. It's like, oh fuck, I have to wait for God knows how long for the next part. And now here it is. Yeah, and now here it is. And like, this all looks really, really fun to me. You see a chocobo scaling a wall vertically. You see it flying, and you You see you you see see Red Thirteen riding a flying chocobo, which is amazing. Yeah, it's 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 amazing the Red Thirteen stuff. It's like, how can you like? I can understand not liking the games, but how can you look at them having Red Thirteen riding a chocobo like a person holding the reins in his paws and be like, oh yeah, the remakes are soulless. It's like, what? No? Wait, wait, wait. I think I have a question for you guys. Uh, or at least for James. How, what is your impression of remake as someone that never played OG FF7 before? Chow, I've played FF7 now. The OG version? Yeah, I went... To... I've gone through it. I, I thought you never did. I thought you just stopped there because you were doing this ritual pr- perspective replay and you just got to six and then seven got out of the way because there was too much of your backlog or something. No, I got back to it. <laughs> Damn, I thought you'd be a remix only guy like George. Or George. Okay, sorry guys. <laughs> I I was wrong. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, so like the, this is, you know, just, just a really, really solid trailer. You see, like, like it, it was really. The the whole the whole uh, footage with Cloud and Sephiroth in the flashback and oh man like, the pretty boys and their BLs it's it, it's a uh, it's really it's really just a sight to see you know and like having a playable Sephiroth you know and yeah and then like and then and then you just see some bizarre parts of the trade it's like who the fuck thought like Bob riding a Segway you know it's like I guess sure oh, I, I, I forgot even to mention that yeah Cloud's on a Segway <laughs> yeah it's like what who who thought up of this what that's crazy that idea is fucking brilliant i mean it's great yeah i mean it's great it's i mean it's it's stupid but it's like harmless but it's just (laughs) it's so bizarre I still love it in the FS7 world. No one seems to question that big ass sword that he's there. It seems like the norm. And you know there's still so many questions to like you know obviously this is gonna be different by nature. Like you know you see Zach you know obviously uh, Zach was Shown at the end of uh, very end of remake, then and I see him like really kind of almost front and center here. Um, it's like what how <laughs> like uh, it just it just it just it's just a lot of um man this is gonna go places I guess. So I'm excited, you know. I this the, this trailer really did a lot for the game for me to like me the the, the like get excitement up, be interested in it. Um. And if it was like if they if they released a, like a trailer that was like similar to the last like the, I revealed like a first trailer, I would have been really bummed because this is the kind of trailer I kind of wanted to see of like seeing just a lot of gameplay, a lot of gameplay, um, and what you can expect to, is to play it, in is the it, game. It's the sort of trailer where when Nomura says, "Yeah, you're gonna have a hundred hours of things to do," you're like, "Yeah, I believe it." Yeah, where yeah, where yeah. like if they ever said that for the first game, which they never did, it's like how how do you get? I remember they even said like how do you get thirty hours out of Midgar? And they made it work. It's like how do you get a hundred hours out of the first continent or uh, up till the, the um the Forgotten Capital? Like yeah, I can see that based on everything they've shown in the trailer. I can see them packing that you know new, new side quest, kind of re- repackaging old ones. I know people who have like really like line by line the trailer have noticed a few small discrepancies. Like I I guess like. It shows Cloud and Sephiroth in what is purportedly the flashback are fighting the Materia Keeper, which that's not where the Materia Keeper was fought in the original, but that's fine. Um, there's this yeah. one part where there's this they, there's this there's plenty of dialogue about all the hooded characters and the concept of reunion. Um, mm-hmm. 
but there's one where there's like a person dressed up in a similar garb with like a reddish beard and it's like not clear who it is uh i think i was watching the final fantasy union like trailer breakdown they're a good site you should check them out uh and they're like people have you know speculated who this might be it might be an original character it might be glenn from the first soldier and i'm like please don't be glenn my new favorite ff7 character glenn yeah but uh um I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the trailer. Like it, it avoids anything to do with whispers. Um, mm-hmm. All the moment, all the moments that it shows Sephiroth in the trailer seems to be like Sephiroth, at least in the way it's framed, as he was in the original game. Not like Meta Sephiroth knows everything of like the later games. Like it's Sephiroth questioning who he is, if he's even human. Sephiroth are in the flashback. Um, yeah, they showed, it, they showed like the, they showed the buggy. Like they. Guess oh, what? Yeah. The buggy's back. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, Too that's bad. Awesome. You don't get to fight uh, Ruby Weapon with it this time. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then they showed off uh, some of the new, like, returning summons. They're not entirely new. You see Odin. You saw um, Alexander. Alexander. Alexander looks really good. And um, they've already yeah. kind of, they've already kind of like reordered when you get the summons. Like, you don't get Efreet until like the ship. In the base game, but you get it mm-hmm. from well, you get it from Jesse in the first game, just like how oh, here's Efreet. Oh, what? Oh, no, it's not <laughs> it's like, Jesse. Hey. I don't remember. No, you get you get, don't you get don't you, don't you don't you get the summons from Chadley? Oh you yeah, get, you get yeah. you get you get Efreet from Jesse, and then the additional summons you get through. Uh, well, most of them you get through Chadley because you have to do the fights, but like you do get Efreet from Jesse. In, uh, yeah, and in, and like all the like the summon acquisitions kind of out of whack, but that makes sense because otherwise you like wouldn't get any in the first game, and they want to have that. Um, there was a was it was one of the summons DLC was it was it like what 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 I saw oh, yeah for the original game yeah you get the Choco Kid and the Mog, but um there I saw a store listing where like if you've got save data on your PlayStation for Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, you get Leviathan and Rama, and to me that's like oh that's a pretty big. Well, it's one of those things like that's a big thing to lock away behind a save file check, but also is that, is that, like is that like is that like uh, uh, that's, I don't think that's too uh, big of a deal because no, but I'm trying to think is like is there any other way to obtain or reobtain them? Yeah, I don't know if it's just well, like you you get them early. Yeah, um, well, here's a here's a slightly weird thing is that I played Intergrade on PC and not PS5. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if I want to play Rebirth on PS5, even though I did play Intergrade, I, I don't get those summons because I didn't I don't have a PS5 save. Uh, I'm yeah. in this awkward position where my save is on the PS4 version. I, know, I don't have PS yeah. Plus, so well, how could I well, transfer well, Adam, my save? Adam, uh, good news. If you're fine with getting... <laughs> If you're fine with getting Rebirth uh, digitally on PS5, you get a copy of Remake Plus Intergrade for free. Yeah, oh, yeah, my friend also joked about that. They're like, if I wait till Fart Free, then the first two parts are free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you've got Remake on PS4 or PS5, you get Leviathan, a save file. I don't know if that just means you can just like get the free version, start a basic save file, minute in, and then that yeah, counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, count. and then, uh, um, intermission, of course, is only on PS5. Uh, you get Rama, and I don't know if it's like if I, it's probably a very, very small sliver of people that would ever play Rebirth without any PS5 save data. I guess that would be someone who waited till PC, loved the game so much, and then want to play it day one on PS5 for Rebirth. Maybe just. Strange pre-order, um, but not but ultimately harmless, I suppose. 
And mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you can acquire them later in the game uh, if you don't have the, the save data. There were additional details uh, thanks to a pretty comprehensive interview from uh, with Play, uh, on PlayStation blog uh, about FF7 Rebirth. Um, they, they, they revealed that the uh, Rebirth does end at the Forgotten Capital. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is kind of a... It gets, you, it gets the noggin thinking. Like, it's like, oh... That's interesting. Are they? And then a lot of people, of course, are like, "Are they going to end it there?" That's fucked up, you know. <laughs> For people who played the original FF Seven, um, that um, Nomura also says, like, the order in which you can explore the locations is not the same as the original FF Seven. Here are some shifts in the order. For example, Wutai, one of the major locations, is not part of the route in FF Seven Rebirth, and will be visited in the next one. So, and, 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 and that, that kind of makes sense because it was well, like... Well, that's interesting because in the original FF7, Wutai stuff, is that all completely optional? Like, every time uh, I play FF7, I always it's did optional. it. I'm wondering, you yeah, you don't you have to do any of it. completely skip it. Right. Uh, I, I no, hate so doing I'm that. Curious, I'm curious how they, how they incorporate it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as a more of a, you know, actually part of the front-to-back narrative now. Like, yeah, and, uh, and uh, Alex mentioned like in the original FF7, the Wutai stuff is like well before the Forgotten Capital, but now they're re reordering it, so right. all that stuff is after the Forgotten uh, Capital in the next game. I, I feel like they want to skip it to the next game so it resolves the Don Cornelio plot arc, because, you know, he's like the main <laughs> villain in that part, mm -hmm. if you remember. Mm -hmm. So, at least that's how I see it. I'm also trying uh, to remember, like, if, if I remember right, you can get Yuffie before the golden saucer but it's very rare to get her that early because the percent chance of encountering her is low or something like that i forget exactly how it works but of course the, in this the chance game, goes higher till region like the first region it's like very low it's like 10 percent to encounter her right and then it gets higher and higher as you progress for the game later on i think i remember one, one of the hardest things to do in the first in the original game was to get the golden saucer date scene with yuffie uh, because um, you have to like get her early. You have to like not be nice to Tifa or, or Aerith, and uh, you don't. And whatever you have to get get out of doing the default one with Barrett. Uh, but of course, in this one, it shows that you know she's with the party essentially from early on in the game. Yeah, it's, it it looks like Yuffie must join like right away. Yeah, yeah so. it's like <laughs> I'd be very surprised if like if like it was like two hours in and she's not already with you. I I think I think Intergrade ends with her basically leaving Midgar and then. Or the, the intermission, excuse me. And then we all know that FF7 remake ends with them leaving Midgar. So maybe they just like bump into each other right if away. I remember it shows her leaving Midgar. And then there's like one tiny follow up scene with the main cast also like on the road outside Midgar. So they're kind yeah, of they, like, they, they, they like take a truck with like Chocobo Bill or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. and so it's like it's basically showing that their their paths are just about to collide. So. Now, I wonder how Zach is going to work in all this. You know, yeah. I mean, that's obviously a big question mark. So we <laughs> yeah. saw him. He's we last see him at the church. So who who knows where he ends up after that? I, I feel is like he... he's in that world where they spoiled you in the trailer where everyone's dead. And then it's like, I mean, they, they've kind of gone like, you know, they don't spoilers anymore. Like Zach is around. He's here. He's li they literally have like a character art and a bust art for him. Like he's gonna be around. He's, he's in the key art. Character. He's like on the box art. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's on yeah. the key art. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's carrying Cloud around too. Oh, and he drops yeah. off Cloud like a, a yeah. reportedly when they get out of you know when he's when he drags Ooh. uh went to Midgar or, or wait no yeah and he drops Cloud off with Kyrie which is like that 
original character from the uh, remake who was actually originally from one of the like novelizations. So she's involved okay. somehow. Like I knew Cloud before we knew that she knew Cloud. It, it's there. I guess there is a bit of wiggle room in terms of like what are the order of events now? Uh, this is technically a sequel, etc. All that, all that stuff. And that's I uh, guess I, what Nomura does so well. Keeps. I have a question. Did anybody see Reno in any of the trailers of the of the remake? Reno. Um, they no? they show um they show him like I remember they showed uh uh the, the Turks, Turks in the in, uh, the, in first, the first trailer. Yeah. So they showed oh, Elena. They yeah, didn't I don't show know. like Reno talking or anything. But they... I don't know. I don't know about. I don't know if they showed Reno in Rebirth at all. Because because this Japanese voice actor passed away like just kind of like a year after after remake came out. I'm not sure if they like recast him or just cut his role short because of it. You know, like his. You know, and it takes a while for them to replace like JPVAs. You know, it has to be like <laughs> that contract's locked for life. I think they probably even want to cancel Cloud's VA because of all the cheating affairs that he's been de- doing, like the Japanese Cloud voice actor. I'm not sure if they. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Um, the, the you know the PlayStation blog does talk, go into like a few more the you know the the, the minute gameplay details that we don't have to go through here, but they just said like you know since Red Thirteen is fully playable now. Like the 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 his the their um unique uh gameplay mechanic or gimmick is a revenge meter. So as you're guarding, this revenge meter will fill up, can fire off attacks like power, powerful attacks. Um, it, it needs this dice. Yeah. Um. I, I guess what was the thing I I, for, I forgot to mention here? I was from the interview. I forgot now. I had it with me, and then I forgot. Um. I don't know. I don't remember. I'll remember it like in five minutes. Fuck. Yeah. Rip. Yep. Yeah, I was pulling up the uh, Summer Games Fest trailer to see. Um, it shows Rude and it shows Elena. Does not look like it shows Reno. I'm trying to remember if like Reno it. shows up in the mid for mines or not. I don't remember. Maybe they just cut his role a little bit short until they find the mm. right recast for it. Uh, uh, yeah, this is just careful trailer editing. Yeah. So. All right, I think, did we cover... All? Oh, the last thing we forgot to cover here, the last headline, um, is that alongside this, Square Enix did announce that Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate have sold over 7 million copies worldwide, which is a nice kind of tidy number yeah. for this game. That's a, that's a good number, you know? The congrats on reaching that. That's, and we'll, we'll see how much Rebirth sells. I mean, it's, it's, that's always the weird thing with sequels. They always sell less, so... So my What's... question is, it's like, uh, if you see the trailer, it says it's, what is it? It's a, not available till other formats till May 29th. It's like, are, you think someone's going to have that exclusive longer than that? Get that PC version longer? I imagine, oh. I, I, I imagine they're, 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 they're itching at the bit to, to get out the PC version of this before the end of the year next year, I'd have to imagine. How far know, after really. the uh, original game did it come out on PC? It was way later than that. It, That's it took a, lot, a long time. It took because a while. it went to uh, it, it. It was PS4 in like March 2020, and then it came to PS5, and then it came to Epic Games, which is sort of PC, and then Steam. So it wow. Yeah, like the picture is like it, yeah, like little, little fine for not available on other formats at least until May 29, 2024. Well, that's been free month exclusivity this time. That's been, you know, it's been kind of Square Enix's MO, regardless of the 
Well, I guess not just Square Enix. It's kind of everyone. It's exclusive trailer announcements for like Yakuza and Atlas stuff and Square Enix partnering with Sony for their exclusivity windows, trying to get those, those, um, you know, double dippers and things like that. Yeah, it seems to be working for them. I I, I remember what I was going to mention. They also mentioned in an interview that uh, similar uh, to Red 13 in Remake, how like how Red 13 was like a non-playable character, but like a more like a support character to participate in battle. They said there's still some characters in Rebirth are still going to do that, where like they'll join the party, but not like officially fully playable until the next title, whatever that means. Someone like Zach. Uh, I was thinking like Sid. But yeah, if it's if it's if it's Sid or Vincent, that's really weird because they Vincent's show. Vincent's weird because you get him relatively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not doesn't take him that long to get Vincent. Yeah, so. because because like Sid and Vincent are pretty much locked in for a, quite a good chunk before Forgotten Capital, so that'd be that's very awesome. weird if they were not fully playable. You you just stare at them for however many hours till the game ends. Some people <laughs> got really angry hearing that, but I, I feel like it's it might be a character that comes in way too late, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah. If they if they if they introduce Sid or Vincent somehow right before the game ends, if you reorder events, that wouldn't. I mean, it makes sense to do that for them, but that wouldn't make sense like in the actual storyline, you know. Like, what happens is not one of them. <laughs> it's not like someone from. OG yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking if it, it can't be Sid or Vincent because if it's Sid or Vincent, then that'd be really disappointing. But yeah, if it's someone like Zach, for example, like I can see that depending on what they do. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm not a big fan of them doing that mechanic again. Like it was it was okay the first time. I was like, okay, I get it. Doing it again, yeah, I guess the it would have been it, in remake. It would have been sort of weird to have like a fully fledged Red Thirteen yeah. with like the same weapon system that all the other characters have for only like that last section of the game. That yeah. would have been a little bit awkward. So I sort of I understand why they did it that way. Yeah. <laughs> So, but we'll see. We'll see how the, what they do in Rebirth. It's um, I feel just around the corner now, really. So that that that's February. You have Relink, uh, Grand Blue Relink, uh, oh, Persona reload. Three Reload, um, and then at the very end of that month, uh, Rebirth. So you know, e- easy enough. Just three long ass RPGs, and uh, then just like a week after that, you get Unicorn so, Overlord. Well, here's we'll the thing: we 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 still don't know for sure, but Dragon's Dogma Two is coming. Yeah, I, I don't want that to come out of February. <laughs> January, <laughs> thumbs up. Fev- d- d- avoid February. Like, I'm thinking there's like also, mar- mid-March, late, late March, I guess. There's uh, also uh, a lot of rumors about Monster Hunter. Being I, I just find it hilarious. I know, I, know, I know people keep saying they expect Monster Hunter, but I'm going to be honest. It No, no. We, we would have heard about it already if it was going to be an early... Uh, 2024 uh, release. It's probably going to be the holiday title. So that's what that's what we said with Do- Dragon's Dogma 2's trailer. It's like uh, they were making it. They would show a trailer already. No, <laughs> and, uh, well, don't, 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 really, okay, fine, Charles. They'll release it next month, right, right next month. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. Okay. Okay. <laughs> also showing up at the State of Play. We'll wrap up the State of Play, then go into the Nintendo Direct. This was one that was like rumored like the the usual suspects started being kind of chatty right you know uh, the weeks leading up to the uh state of play and that is the somewhat surprising announcement of a follow-up dlc to tales of arise so of course tales of arise released 
about two years ago exactly, released in September of 2021. And the DLC is called Tales of Arise Beyond the Dawn. Um, the game, the, sorry, it's, it shows like basically a new chapter of Tales of Arise takes place about a year after the original game. Um, the trailers in both Japanese and English featuring a, um, like a, a new character is kind of what this centers around. Uh, and other than that, it doesn't really give, like, we have a press release that has like, um, two paragraphs, but one paragraph is just mostly just like PR fluff. And the other paragraph basically says like Alfin and the rest of the six are caught between, uh, you know, worlds as they are the heroes of both Donna and Rena, but now they meet a young girl named Nazamil, um, who is the daughter of both, uh, a Renan Lord and a Donnan. And then like, she's cursed in some way and the, the worlds are starting to merge or something like that. It's very kind of nebulous. Um, and then the trailer spends a lot of time using like their, um, their attack animations to fill, to kind of fill out the cinematography of the trailer. I thought yeah, it was kind of interesting. Kinda awkward. Like, 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 Oh, I remember seeing this, um, like a, a few dozen times as I played through the game, seeing like Kisara swing her big, you know, shield around and, um, Dohalim doing his like, uh, attacks, but it's, this is kind of like a nice surprise. So I don't know in terms of like where they can go with the story, if this is going to be completely standalone. Um, no, there's not like, a, like they've already mentioned that you need the base Tales of Arise game to play this game. It is not standalone. You cannot buy it separately. Mm. You, need, you need the base game to access this. Oh, I mean, I meant like if the story like, oh. like I'm, try, I'm trying to think of if there was like a lot of loose threads, but I remember no, like no, not really. it, 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 it's pretty conclusively. So yeah, I, I mean, I, you, you end up fighting like what this. I don't want to spoil. Uh, you f- you fight like this nebulous <laughs> okay, concept. I will spoil it. I will spoil okay. it. Thank you. I'm take it. The final boss of that game is just like this sort of semi sentient planet that just like absorbs the other planet, and you're like, it's like the spirit of the world. Planet. Yeah, it's being bad. And then that then that like other dude just kind of like who's not really the villain. He's just kind of a crazy guy. Just kind of shows up and he's like, I want to fight you, and you beat him yeah. up too. Yeah. It's like okay. Oh, not he's not Sephiroth. even like the villain. I don't even. What's his name? Anyone remember his name? The, the fifth lord remember. dude who's like Sephiroth, yeah. and not Sephiroth. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> I, I yeah. I don't. Know I want to say I it starts with the V, but I don't remember. Tales of Arise yeah. antagonists. Um, They're never memorable. Uh, I I don't know. It's just like this. This is kind of largely whatever. Volran. I, I think that, great. Volran. Yeah. The, the, there's like just weird small details about this show that also kind of like bug me too. It's like it's a year after and everyone's still in their same clothes. Really, really, mm-hmm. they're still in the same outfits. Huh. Yeah, like, I noticed that. Like you just wear the same outfit for a year. Yeah. Okay. Like Kasar, I remember Kasar had an awesome fucking outfit at the end credits, like ending illustration, but she was like fishing. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. But I, also, I, I kind of hope, like you know, it's a year later, you should probably. You know, update the character at least at least your main character's looks. You know, like, I show wonder the t- how cheap show that... this is gonna feel. Like... Exactly, like show that like some time has progressed. You know, it feels like it feels like you're just caught off like the end of like the last game, and and aside from a new character model, everything kind of looks the same. Now, also, uh, one I, thing I, I forgot like to say: character. I like how the new character has like uh, dichromat eyes. I feel like it's over half Renan, half Donnan. That's uh, that's how eyes that. work, right, guys? If you're yeah, half from one planet, half from another yep. planet, you're gonna have mixed eyes. Obviously, oh, that's, a, that's a Final Fantasy X told me. That's yeah, that's apparently how that's apparently how genes work. So you know, I mean, it's just I don't know if I'm gonna play this. I honestly don't know if I'm gonna play this. <laughs> well, the, the the thing I was gonna mention uh, is um, 
it's coming out November 9th. So it's like yeah. two months, two months away. It's which is kind of fun. It's kind of it's a fun surprise, but it's like, oh, I don't know if right I need after to like Star Ocean, right not right was that when like I think it's the same day that like a Dragon Gaiden comes out. So right in that mix of things. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like so, someone will have to give me a pretty compelling argument that I should play this, I guess. The only honestly, the most compelling argument to me is that it's they say like 20 hours. Like, okay, that's yeah, a brief 20 <laughs> hours. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. That that might be the most compelling thing. It's like it, you won't fucking waste your time at least going through this. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure this is going to be better than the Tales of Sisteria DLC. You know, that one left some sequel bait, which, because it wasn't popular enough, it never had a proper conclusion. Also, the Tales of Sisteria DLC, the Tales of Sisteria DLC, I remember... It, do you remember in Tales of Zestiria? Tales is weird at this point. They have those, I think they're called cauldrons, where you basically go into like this cauldron dungeon and it's just like a wave based. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, were very awkward. Fuck. They were very weird. And the DLC uh. is basically just like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like you, 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 you play, at, you get the girl back. I forget her name. Alicia. Alice, 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 Alice. No, not, not Alicia. And like you just do these like wave-based battles a bunch. Uh, I know that was a significant portion of the DLC. It was very weird. Um, but I think I'm gonna get back for back. Beyond the Dawn. There you go. Let's get a call back. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel kind of bad. Like like oh, and this new thing was announced. We're all kind of very very tepid on it. But the trailer. I, uh, I don't like really... Tales of Arise. I already told you about Tales of Arise. <laughs> I'm okay with shitting on it every day. Oh, okay. All right. It's not the worst thing ever. I mean, it, looks, uh, it, it looks pretty, I guess. At least it's not Tales of, Tales of the Tempest. I'm sure nobody played that. But I, I kind of touched it and I was like, this is good. It's not a fun game. <laughs> and then the last thing that showed up in our wheelhouse in the state of play is that Honkai Star Rail will be launching for PlayStation 5 on October 11th. Right? Yeah. Well, yep. Damn. Uh, <laughs> what, what else am I supposed to say about it? I don't know what comes in the PS5. Do you do you play on any of these on PS5 Tower? Are you just PC? Uh, I tried Genshin on the PS5, and it wants me to like like my account. It's like, what happens? I get bored of the game and want to get rid of my account. It's like now you're stuck with the PS and life cycle. So I'm like, nope, I refuse to link it. So I would never okay. touch it on PlayStation for that reason. And with that, we'll go over into the Nintendo Direct, which had a much larger list of headlines. So we're hopefully going to go through here and figure out which one of these we want to talk about at length and which one of these we'll make sure we cover and then move on. Here's one that's probably exciting for longtime listeners or followers of the site and something that we were expecting to hear at some point. I don't know if you're expecting to hear it specifically at this point, And that is the announcement of a new Saga game. We got the announcement trailer and initial, you know, screenshots, marketing, PR, everything for Saga Emerald Beyond coming out for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, PC, and mobile. So this is going to be coming out in 2024, and it is to, I think, most of our site's, um, you know, delight. We go Gaga Bill- for Saga. I, yeah, I told yeah. you, man, the next Saga game is going to be after a different color, and it was green. I guessed it right. There was a podcast episode uh, of that. I mean, well, we also kind of already knew that because they trademarked this, it. Yeah, this trademark has been out for like almost a year. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited for this because it looks like it's uh, it's first off, 
it's building off of the Scarlet Grace uh, framework, which good. Yeah. Like, yeah. and like it, it was already fantastic in the fact that they're like building on top of it. Mm. I mm. also love how it's like very clearly going for like a Saga Frontier, like sci-fi aesthetic. That's really cool. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm terrified. I, um... I am absolutely terrified. Scarlet Grace ran on Unity. This is a Unity game that... <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, I well, guess, at some point in the podcast. It won't, the, it won't meet the threshold sales. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Rip. But man, I, I love how they describe everybody's background in this. What was that one? The song was where, uh, where her bro- soul is trapped in a robot or something? And I've seen a lot of love for the, like, cop detective. The cop, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the like body for me now. And the girl yeah. with a hijab. Mm-hmm. I've yep. seen a lot of love for both of those characters. Yeah. I mean, just their designs. They're, they, I, I think, like, the, like I really like Saga Scarlet Grace a lot. I love it. This is a, like, but like some of the characters in Saga Scarlet Grace, I was kind of like mm, at first initial impression. I eventually like you know I'm fine with them. But this one, like out of the gate, I like like all of, like the characters that they sh- like showed off for Emerald Beyond are like really interesting, compelling, both in design and like their premises. Like it's like it's just kind of firing it off also on from the get go for me. I remember seeing yeah. like some people. There was this, there was a similar reaction uh, when Scarlet Grace was first brought over to the West a few years after it released in the East. Um, about wait, that's what it looks like. That's the art. And and then I saw to our credit, like everyone be like, it's all killer, no filler. Don't worry about it. Like the battle system's immaculate. The, yeah, the art is what it is. You know, it, I, by the time you get like a couple hours into this game. It it's like that's the last thing on your mind just because these games are just so compelling and the, I, I I think it's crazy that they have even more protagonists to pick from here because I'm trying to let me like pull up my Steam account I only ever played through Scarlet Grace with one character and it still took me like a damn long time let's see if I can it took me 51 hours to play through mm-hmm. Scarlet Grace with one character Wait, so, which route did you take did you take uh, uh, the, the 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 blind the blonde Ur- dude Urpina. Oh no, Leonardo. Leonardo, yeah, that's what it was. So, some of that might be idle time, but still, it's not a short game. Like even even though it has multiple uh, characters. Let me see. I I got a hundred percent in Scarlet Grace. Or, uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to hear. I want to hear uh, this number. It's this five hundred and twenty <laughs> hours. Uh, Two hundred and eighty-six. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Real Chad. Uh, hey, I that that fight against the ultimate Flamebringer or whatever. That's Flamebringer, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell, Tough as nails. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so if you're listening to the podcast, uh, what you should understand is that um, next year's Game Gear cast, this game is going to gonna be a front runner for most of us. Unless <laughs> it's somehow really disappointing. Yeah. Like, you, know, there, you know, there's always potential for that. And, but but the, the nice thing is, like, the battle system looks to be building off of, like, was in Scarlet Grace, you know, and that's kind of the big point for a lot of us with Scarlet Grace is like, yeah, it has one of the best turn-based battle, battle systems. <laughs> yeah, because it really now, made every turn matter. And, and uh... One thing that this game seems to be doing differently, Scarlet Grace was like on like a sort of a, it was a world map that was sort of segmented, almost a little bit board game-ish, where each segment of the map had like a different story kind of to it, kind of like these little mini micro things going on in each section of the map. This game promises like 17 different worlds. And so there's might be like weird gimmicks or aesthetics or variety in these different worlds that you're kind of going, you're jumping between. So there's, there's like a robot world. There's like a future world 
Um, There's a lot of variety in the environments that they've already shown the screenshots in the trailer too. Now, it's just a... uh, James mentioned Saga Frontier, but a lot of the some of the earlier Saga games also had this weird mismatch of like robots and more fantasy and things I like that. I think like too. the Game Boy games had that kind yeah, of thing. Saga Two, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Saga One didn't have. Did Saga One have robots? I don't think so. Uh, I think it had monsters sure. that you. Yeah, joined. Saga Two did for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's very. I, I actually kind of like. I I don't know. I I kind of like the sort of garish color design of these games. I don't know why. I've gotten used to it to the point that it's like it's just charming to me now. Like when I saw this, I'm like, man, I'm so back. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I feel, feel like, like it's like. For me, it feels like watching like the David Productions of JoJo. If you get what I mean, it's like where the mismatched colors sometimes they're like green, and the next frame they're purple for some reason. If you get yeah. what I'm saying, in the earlier yeah, uh, yeah, and I guess there's a brief rundown of like of like the characters. Like you have like what like five characters. Like the do you have uh, five? It's six characters, but two of them are paired. Right, right. Yeah, you have uh, Sunanori Mido, who's a puppet puppet master. Uh, Amea, who is a schoolgirl disguised witch, um, and then as we mentioned, I have Bonnie and Formina is like a cop duo, crime fighting duo, um, and then D- Diva Number Five is like a, a songstress mech, so she lost her voice and it's like her soul is like inside a mech, and then um, uh, like an immortal vampire, uh, Siugnus, is how you pronounce this, I guess. Siugnus, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, and then you know, it's 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 kind of. It's really, really exciting, and, and it's nice to see that you know. Just usually, saga's not really about uh, about cinematics. They they usually are very, very um, upfront with like how the game looks, how the game plays, what the players are gonna do. So it's just obviously nice to see like an announcement of a new game, just showing gameplay footage uh, for a lot of it. Um, and yeah, this is definitely on a lot of our radars for sure. Uh, and next year. I'm kind of in terms of like the key staff behind this game, mm-hmm. uh, Akatoshi Kawazu, who is basically the grandfather of Saga, he is the director, which is sort of interesting. Like uh, at this point in his career, I sort of wonder if they're going to be more hands off or like executive, but he's the director of the game. So that's cool. Uh, Masanori Itikawa, who has been like the Saga producer for a while, kind of his almost like his follow up, he's the producer. Kenji Ito is back, which is, of course, oh, yeah. he back. Um, we already know what's going to be the best soundtrack next year. Like, even yeah. if the game itself is <laughs> shit, that soundtrack is going to be top. Mm-hmm. Now, here, here's miss. the one part. Here's the one part about the key staff that is just minorly disappointing: is that the character design is Satoshi Kuramochi, and he did art uh, on the on on Scarlet Grace, but the character design for a lot of Saga stuff has been Tomomi Kobayashi. I think I got her name right. And she doesn't seem to be uh, present this time, so it's a little disappointing. To like, be oh, fair, yeah. though, to be fair, though, we were just talking about earlier how like some of these new character designs are really resonating with folks. So I mean, yeah, it's good. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a change, you know. Like saga people are very legacy, <laughs> traditional. Well, this is like this is like trying to sell fa- Final Fantasy game without an ominous cover. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and, and then yeah, also shows like you know there's some like battle clips uh, on like the Japanese uh, site and like you know shows some of like the other playable characters that are aren't uh, the main characters like one of them just like it's just like yeah. a cat it's just like here's your here's your party member a cat it's like hell yeah <laughs> Peak Saga um 
I do love looking at some of these screenshots like we were talking about earlier how this is very clearly based off of the uh, Scarlet Grace battle system. But there's this thing that's like seems like a combo rate. So it's like interesting how that's going to work out. But it seems like uh, it it could work both ways. If you get like Wombo comboed by the enemy, suddenly you're going to be instantly wiped, which that was a thing in Scarlet Grace, too. So it's not like a real change, but it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I don't know. I, lo- I love when I press confirm on uh, Scarlet Grace and see my entire battle, oh, my entire party wipe because I didn't account for one little thing. <laughs> I was like, yep. Also, what's one thing that's sort of interesting lore-wise is uh, one of the Celestials, Matcha, shows up in this. Mm. Matcha, Matcha is one of the... Scarlet Grace is like eight or... It's either eight or twelve Celestials that are like the gods of that world, and they're unique to that game. And wasn't I, I, Matcha one of the secret bosses you could do? Yes, there was Matcha, and then there was another two of the Celestials you could fight. Matcha and another one. Matcha has an excellent battle theme, by the way. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting in that Matcha, some of the some of the saga like godly people kind of show up cross games, and not counting like the mobile game or whatnot where they all show up. Like, oh, Matcha's in this game too, which she's also only in Scarlet Grace. So it's like that's kind of interesting in terms of it's the same god. Okay. Interesting. And I know we've kind of given the Saga Primer in a few different contexts. The last Saga game I played was Frontier Remastered, then I did, and then I also, of course, played um, uh, Scarlet Grace the one time. I, I still haven't made it, like, it's not even a year old, but I haven't played the, um, the remaster that came out last uh, December. Uh, what, what's the title of that one? Minstrel Song? Yeah, that Minstrel one. Song? Yeah, but, like, I, I was reading some of this press release for, um, for Emerald Beyond, and how... One of the things that Saga is going for is even though it's still, you know, a video game, so it's on the back end, it's programmed by rules and logic. The story is attempting to be kind of as emergent as possible in terms of like doing things out of order is expected because there is no order. Um, You know, a lot of these games will have enemies that kind of level up with you in a way. You'll learn abilities based on what you use. It's it's not prescribed. There's not a way you you don't. uh, you can't you can if you're very careful and you people research and like dig but you, you sh- at least i in my opinion you shouldn't go into a saga game expecting to quote 100 percent it um so it's kind of like a different mindset you kind of got to go in and be like what story am i going to encounter today um i wrote about i wrote about this a few times including in my minstrel song review and they also kind of the, the tagline they use is like create your own saga and the idea that it's meant to be somewhat immersive or emergent excuse me and that every person's kind of experience is going to be different due to semi-random factors. And like you said, it is all bound by logic in some sense. So if you really dig into it, you can have like, there is a prescriptive nature into, oh, if this happens, then this happens, then this happens. But it's, if you don't dig into it, it does feel, you know, somewhat random and just kind of emergent depending on what you do and what order you go, go to places and maybe this is the point you were bringing up is in this game, they specifically mentioned the 17 different worlds and that like, depending on which order you would visit them in, if you revisit a world after you've been there already, new things can happen. And it's just, you know, the so exploration this... is, the main, is the name of the game here. It's meant to be, you're just meant to have wanderlust and explore and see what happens. It's so not there's... a straight through line. There's this one screenshot I'm seeing from the press site that makes it seem like it, the game very clearly 
Like, I don't know what these colored lines mean, but some of them are green, some of them are blue, and obviously there's going to be something where it's like a little like kind of hint to, hey, maybe you should do these next, or maybe you've already done these, or something like that. But it's like I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how the new framework works because like yeah. having like there's like this there's obviously like this hub. I'm guessing this is the Emerald Beyond in the title or something, or but. I'm so excited for this. I do like how even though it sounds like they might be going a half step towards prescribing like, hey, you should check this out or do this. In the example that's posted here, we have uh, one in our chat here, one on the news post on the site. It's like, yeah, you have these three emerald choices here and these four or five other choices. Like, even though it tells you which direction you, you should go, it's still like you can go here or do this. Or maybe you should go there. There's there, You've got three to eight options. You know, you just kind of have to pick one, like whichever one you're most interested in. I wonder they if they just like read it. They'll just randomize the green lines and be like, ah, oh, whatever. Just, just, yeah. just throw it at a dart. <laughs> yeah. So two, I'll, two, I'll, I'll say another thing. I'll say another thing. Uh, this game has been like, assuming that they started right after like uh, Scarlet Grace, like even just pre-planning after Scarlet Grace originally came out. That was 2016 on the Vita. This will have been in development for almost eight years by the time it comes out. That is a huge development cycle, especially if you're like if they're like working off of the same framework. And it looks like this game is going to be huge, even by Saga standards. It's like, oh, man. I just got done with my first 300 hour playthrough of uh, Emerald Beyond. It was great. Game of the year. Or Saga game. Can you imagine? But yeah, we're all excited for that one, slated for 2024. And uh, unless there's a, a surprise we're not expecting, likely going to be uh, one of the bangers next year that we're going to be talking about. Man, 2024 uh, already needs to stop for RPGs. <laughs> it needs to stop. <laughs> I'm still trying to survive 2023. Speaking of another uh, oh, banger in 2024. <laughs> The, the next one on the list, Josh, mm -hmm. preempting. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's one that maybe I'll just hand off to Josh right away, but we finally learned what VanillaWare is working on. Yes, uh, they are working on a new tactical RPG called Unicorn Overlord coming to PlayStation 5, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, and Nintendo Switch uh, on March 8, 2024, simultaneous worldwide release from VanillaWare. All places. Um, this looks crazy. This looks like uh, ogre battle. Ogre battle. <laughs> like a, a very, very pretty uh, and, uh, and, and uh, it, as the, complex as ogre the, battle. The thing that that boggles my mind. If you read some comment section, they're like, "It's like, what is this artwork? This looks trash compared to Fire Emblem." It's like I need to know what kind of drugs these guys are smoking. Because so, uh, it is in your it is like uh your typical uh like you know vanilla wear uh handcrafted i have painted art style um and, and the, the the game looks to be very much about uh, a large focus on making formations uh like an ogre battle you have like several character like a lot of character classes or, or class types and then you put them into ska you organize them into like different squads into different party compositions so you're like forming an army, and then within battles you deploy them. Uh, I don't exactly know exactly how the battle system will be in terms of like 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 the, like the fine details, but there seems to be like large scale battles that you, that take place on like the on like the overworld map, and then like the like one of the screenshots provides like some maybe some sort of siege uh, on a kingdom. 
and then there, there's all there's also some uh, more intimate like smaller scale battles where um ca- characters face off like uh like uh, with the like in a 2d style um it and of course the as with any good vanilla bear game uh, a part of that trailer showed off the food uh and you know you need it, it's not a vanilla VR game until you show a little bit of the food and be like oh fuck i'm hungry now so that's gonna be a component uh a, a component also as they they mentioned you'll meet about like over like 60 distinct characters that you can recruit into your army um it looks really fucking cool uh, the, like the the first tip off that like uh, that that hitted me that this is the new vanilla VR game was actually like the character model because not too long ago, just like a few months back, I watched the teaser of vanilla VR's uh, upcoming title that was in the Thirteenth Sentinels prologue disc that only released in Japan. So there was like maybe like a twenty second teaser of it, and it's like had that knight in the armor just facing the camera. It's like oh, that's vanilla VR's new title that they're teasing. Then sure enough, when this trailer starts, it's like oh shit. That was real. Legit. So yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, also, uh, did we did we mention this game is coming to Xbox? Kind of yes. Yeah. It's yep. Coming on everything. It's not, up for PC. Not PC. Not, not PC. Not, not PC. Not for PC for some reason. Wait, 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 wait. If we're lucky, we might get a PC version through the Microsoft Store. If we're lucky. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, other than that, Vanillaware and PC is like, Vanillaware is always like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not that. Not that. Anything else about that. <laughs> it's, is the collector's edition available for Xbox? Because if it's not coming out on PC, it, I might it, just it order is. that. Okay, yeah, I'll order that. It's, yeah. So yeah, um, the, so, yeah I mean, I, I want to hear what, what you guys thought of. Like, this was like, uh, I was very, very excited. I, I'm excited for it. I think the funniest thing is that I was watching that trailer and it's like, I was like, is this Vanillaware? Because there's like some company, like some studios that have gotten close enough to emulating yeah. the art style that you can't be sure. Then the food comes out. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's, that's Vanillaware. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's like a, for a lot of people, that's a thing that right? like, oh, I see food. That's so fucking Vanillaware. <laughs> like they, um, had to, they had to draw that food to flex like we're the real deal. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, the, the the basic basic premise is like you're you're like a fallen prince trying to get your uh, reclaim your kingdom. So you use this ring of the unicorn to gather people to your cause, and you go around like the world uh, throughout five nations to rally people under your cause. Is like the basic framework they're going with, and it's cool. That's like a, the, like it's like a, the, this medieval fantasy world. And there's like a, a lot of like races. So it's not just humans. You have elves. You have like beastmen. Um, yeah, the uh, angels. Angels. Too. Yeah. Because uh, that's the thing with the Ogre Battle, too. There's an angel, was it in the original one, where they mm-hmm. kept that angel and kind of forced her to do the bidding for them. But, but yeah. Uh, man, just right, right as March ends and after Rebirth comes out, here comes Unicorn Overlord. <laughs> March of the Black Queen, guys. March of the Black Queen. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. Did they do that deliberately? But, um, yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm there day one, day negative one. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> I want it so bad. Maybe this we'll is like... Be, we'll be there no matter what. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're in Canada, Video Game Plus is the only retailer offering their exclusive limited editions. Is that, that. Or bad? is that good or bad? That's a good thing, actually. There okay. Video Game Plus, Plus seems pretty good in that they have a lot of imports um, mm. from both Europe and uh asia and japan and just they ship to north they ship to america anyway not just canada and they're they're a really good store it seems for if you're trying to find more niche limited retail stuff they're one of few canadian retailers that offer free shipping like 
Canadians. Like for like for example, if you want to buy Baton Kaitos on Switch, but it's not on there's no retail version in America, North America. I know that at one point they were selling the European version. They just imported, you know, a stack of the European version so they could sell it here. You know, so that's cool that they we have a there's a place that does it. Like, that's pretty cool. The Canadian bros are finally winning for once. We there finally go. got an exclusive limited edition that's for the Canadian <laughs> retailers. <laughs> but yeah, um that was, you know, uh, for for all, I'll say it seems like for a lot of people that was like the big announcement at the Nintendo Direct uh for our audience. Um which is, you know, understandable. It is the next big thing for Vanillaware and Vanillaware. I haven't think I have played <laughs> yeah. a single bad game from them in my honest opinion. Like even like at worst, it's still like a high mid, you know. It's like a never high a bad game. A high mid. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's like a good seven point <laughs> five, you know. It's it's a high never, mid. It was never a bad game from them. I'm gonna propose a new grading scale at our site. Me too. High <laughs> mid, low mid, uh it's over. I don't know. So over. <laughs> and then the, the, the tonality is the worst so back. The highest. <laughs> okay, I like that a lot. Oh, fuck. Oh. There were a handful of other uh, announcements at the Nintendo Direct of like new titles coming out. Uh, one of which is from the developer of the RPG called Moon Onion Games. So this uh, Moon was, um, you know, kind of a cult classic from several years back and got a re-release back in like 2020 uh, when it was officially released in English for the first time. Uh, I think we had Colin on the podcast a couple times talking about Moon. And I think it snuck into our top 10 that year. Yeah, uh, I did. But uh, so Onion Games have announced a new title called Stray Children. Um, it is a bittersweet fairy tale RPG. It kind of has the same sort of um, like lo-fi visual aesthetic. And it's coming out this winter in Japan, but um, they are confirming, confirming that they are working on an English localization, but they can't commit to a release window yet. Um, so the trailer does show like some of the same like stylings of of moon it's only about a minute long but it's a it's a good good chunk of gameplay a good chunk of uh ui actual like how the game might actually look and play and feel and as far as you know right now it is um switch exclusive so kind of a fun little experimental project that probably be something you'll have to to play to truly truly know kind of like what it's getting at yeah but based yeah. but based on how much colin really adored moon like i, I always kind of keep these like a little bit like hmm you know really eager to see what the what this has going for it it's pretty interesting because um, uh, the bat like the, the the battle system in um, Stray Children like it, it, there's like a heavy emphasis on like using words like specialized verbs to produce uh, attacks or, or or the ways of like de- like initializing battles in it. So I'm 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 always uh, interested when like when you, when they try to involve um, anything like with words and language and try to make that as like a main mechanic in rpg battle systems like in a way nosia kind of does that because you're you're using like the the art of language of um making a compelling argument as a sort of battle system in that game so like you know i'm really interested to see how straight like the the inner workings of how straight children does it of like involving that aspect that concept to its battle system I also like how the main character looks like a little like a snoopy like dog yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's adorable so that's definitely one to look out for, for sure. That's his Onion Games' very, very talented studio. 
The next announcement is also a surprise, but pretty straightforward. Nintendo announced that next year in 2024, we will be seeing a remaster of Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. So obviously, uh, probably the most uh, consensus popular game from that Paper Mario series, the last one that felt truly like a turn-based RPG, uh, like, a, like a successor to the Super Mario RPG, which of course also is getting a remaster, more on that later. Um, and I just think that this is interesting because, uh, you know, earlier in the year, we had Paul write up a couple op-eds about, you know, the status of the Mario RPG series um, because, uh, you know, Mario and Luigi and Alpha Dream's gone. We didn't know what the future of Paper Mario was. Um, and then within the last half year, Super Mario RPG is being uh, remastered completely. I should be saying like remade, really. And now we're also getting Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door remaster so i think someone in our general chat or was it chow maybe it was chow no probably not chow someone in our general chat <laughs> okay. actually posted do you know that meme image of like three foxes and like two of them look like they're laughing and one of them looks like he's upset yeah and it's like <laughs> mario, oh, RPG, yeah, mario rpg is laughing uh paper mario is laughing and then mario and luigi is upset because Aww. they're dead still <laughs> sorry yeah, you know what I mean... you know what you know what i I, I still am sad that Mario and Luigi is dead, but if that means because the whole the whole excuse that they gave for why uh, the the Paper Mario games are no longer RPGs is well well we have a series for uh, RPG fans that like like uh, Mario uh, that's Mario and Luigi that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. mm, so, so so there's 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 the, the, the revive Paper Mario first with that re re releasing remaking a beloved one then. Then, then finally correcting the Piper Paper Mario timeline. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people say that it's like, this has to sell better than uh, Origami King. We need to send a message. And you know what? That's true. You know what? I can look, if you're going to be spiteful, at least be spiteful and say, I'm going to support this because I want. I, I'm, I'm here <laughs> for that. I'm here for that. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I can buy that. Okay. I, you sold me. I'll, I'll buy this game. The only. The, uh... <laughs> The one thing they need to make sure they add to this re this re-release, I'll, I'll call it a remaster because I assume it's going to be on like the same structure, same dialogue. There's actually two uh, things. We already we already know that there is new NPCs, so there is like additional content. Oh, cool. okay. Well, remake that. <laughs> one, yeah. one, at least one way to go through dialogue faster or skip it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people got caught off guard, and that game's final boss is no pushover. And it's sort of almost infamous that going through a lot of the dialogue before the final boss, because you have to retry it a handful of times, is not fun because uh, you can't skip it in the GameCube version. And two, they should really bring back the Vivian trans element to that. Mm. Like that was kind of like sanitized in the in the English release before, and like obviously they should. Be, they should be thoughtful about how they bring that back. I'd forgotten yeah. about that. In, in the yeah, Japanese original script, it, it's more clear, but in the original English script, they kind of tone it down. Is that how it is? Yeah, I, th I think I think the Japanese script, it's you know basically a trans character, but in the English script, it's just just you know blank female. They just kind of sanitized it. You wouldn't even know really. So yeah, they should be thoughtful no. in how they how they bring that back. Or Makes sense. you know, so. And that's coming out uh, in 2024. Next year, we don't yeah. have any. We don't know a date yet. Just next year. And the last announcement is we got the announcement of the newest entry from Riot Forge and their um, like League of Legends project. 
to kind of diversify their portfolio with uh, different titles. Like I've played the Ruined King and the um, oh, what's the one that came out in April this year? I don't even remember. Mage Slayer. Mage, 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 mage Seeker. Thank you. I just, okay. I just needed you to like enunciate mage a few consonants. <laughs> but anyways, the newest announcement, and uh, this is, you know, don't, ha I, I'm sure that League of Legends people know all these characters and people that I don't, is a, it's a cute little game called Bandle Tale. So, um, Bandle Tale is, well, it was a kind of a dual announcement. The official announcement of Bandle Tale coming out um, in 2024. And then also the announcement of a release date for um, Song of Nunu is coming out on November 1st. And that one's more of a straight up um, kind of adventure game. So it's I think it's come up in passing in some of our podcasts. Yeah, that, one was, some... That, that, that one was previously announced. We just It's not an RPG, so we haven't really focused on it. Yeah. So uh, in League of Legends story, Bandle Tale, you can play as their own Yordle. And it's kind of got like this quirky crafting uh you know stardew valley-esque uh sort of semi elements to it so it kind of has that like high definition pixel art style etc seems to be sort of the vibe it's going for as someone Which... who doesn't know much about league of legends at all like i didn't if i were to just see this key art by itself i would not have guessed oh this is league of legends you got these little like i don't know elfish ewoki things they're yordles they're yordles okay <laughs> <laughs> were these were these in either of the games that you played yeah, there's a, there's a there's a Yordle character. Um, I don't, I don't remember there's one in Ruined King, but there's a pretty key one in Mage Seeker. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, it, it definitely looks like it's kind of going for that farmy sim crafty uh, isometric vibe, which I kind of appreciate, even though that's not uh, like my 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 jam. The fact that they're diversifying their IP in that way right. is that you know, they've got the turn-based RPG with like that comic book art style from Airship Syndicate. They've got. Uh, the pixel art style from the uh, from Mage Seeker, from the people who made Hyperlight Drifter, uh, and no, then, it wasn't Hyperlight Drifter. Oh, it was no, it wasn't them. It was Moonlighter. That's right. Uh, and then and then they've got um, you know Bandle Tail, which is completely its own thing. Lazy Bear Games is the developer. Let me just punch that into Google real quick just to see uh, kind of what else they've done. They're from Lithuania. That's kind of neat. They've done mm -hmm. a they've done Graveyard Keeper. They've done Punch Club. So yeah, uh, it looks like they were founded in 2012, which for a studio is pretty recent, you know, 11 years. But that's kind of neat, you know, that they've been able to find a, a, a developer headquartered in Vilnius, Lithuania, to work on their uh, giant IP. So I kind of appreciate that, just just as a concept, the fact that they're willing to kind of be bold and do that. Outside of the new game announcements at the Nintendo Direct, we of course got some. And we're, of course, not covering everything. They finally gave us a title for that Princess Peach game that they kind of awkwardly showed off a few months back where they didn't have a title for it. You're like, even new though... Peach game. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it was so funny to see that in, like, the formal. Like, every quarter, Nintendo releases, like, here's our upcoming, like, list of games that we're releasing in every region. It's very formal. And it was just sort of funny to see on there, like, upcoming game starring Princess Peach was, like, the official tentative title. And now it's called uh, it's it's called Princess Peach Showtime. Uh, not in our wheelhouse, but it does look very very neat. Um, yeah, I really like are excited for it. Uh, F Zero kind of has a handful, I've, thing. I've seen a handful of like people on Twitter who have like young daughters who are apparently they've seen the Mario movie, they love Peach, and they're like, "Oh my god, a Peach game! We need it!" <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a really good demographic to hit. Right? I didn't think about the the like the, 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 the people who watch the Mario movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I had uh, some coworkers who they took their young children to see um, the Mario movie, and now they're really into it. And didn't you say um, Paul's kids were as well? Yeah, yeah so. that's why he wrote out. That's why he wrote out that Super Paper Mario thing. Is that his kids are just like we want anything and everything to do with Mario right now. So we're like, mm -hmm. okay, we'll play this Wii game. <laughs> you know, hey, they like it. You know, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, so one of the ones that, of course, we kind of teed up earlier is that um, we did get another look at for um, the Super Mario RPG 2023, the remaster remake coming out this November, uh, talking about some new changes to the battle system, how they are implementing action commands, which is kind of a Mario staple at this point. I don't remember if the action the original commands... game had some. They did? The okay. It's yeah. been so damn long. I don't remember. Uh, but it clearly like tweaked and the UI is uh, all updated and things like that. And, you know, if a Mario RPG or a Mario RPG adjacent game didn't have action commands, I'd be concerned. So we get some details about how those work in this game um, and some combo moves mechanics. The, the new trailer is basically all gameplay, which is always kind of fun. So just a fun new look at this game that's, you know, basically coming out two months from today. Yeah, I, I think the inter inter interesting thing like 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 the, the triple move mechanic is really neat because it's like a different like super move depending on your party composition so you see that a little bit in the trailer mm -hmm. um but also like you can like re-challenge some bosses post game so like powered up versions of some bosses which is kind of a, like a nice like you know because for a lot of people going to super mario rpg that played it's like yeah it's for the most part it's pretty easy like throughout the whole thing so for people who want a challenge you know there's there's like new challenging like battles uh in the remake We also got some updates. These are these include a bunch of uh, new um, release dates. We had learned not too long ago that Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes was being pushed into 2024. We got a new trailer for that. Uh, it's obviously coming out on more than just Switch, but at the Nintendo Direct, it was announced that Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes will launch on April 23rd. And uh, we also got a new little trailer accompanying that. I'll be honest, I didn't watch this trailer because I just like I just latched onto the release date and not the trailer it's, itself. It's not really a trailer. It's more like that uh, Nintendo Direct style, like narrate narrator kind of talking about like in this game you will play as Cyan yeah. and all the different characters. It's not like it's that sort of like clipped of the presentation. The interesting kind of component to this is that um, there's another character. So there's the main two characters whose names I forget. One of them is Cyan. Noah uh, and Marissa. No well, Marissa before Marissa is a previously revealed character, and in fact, they already announced that she's going to get a DLC. Like that was one of the first like Kickstarter stretch goals. But now she basically seems to have been elevated to like filling out the trio. Like before, it was more just a duo between the two. Oh yeah, yeah, and I tried. Then, and, okay. And now, and like even like even like the key art changed and the Steam art changed, where now it has Marissa on the art too. Like, oh, okay, so she's, it seems like they decided, okay, we're going to elevate her to be more of, like, a main character. Um, I mean, there's a lot of characters in this game, don't get me wrong, and I'm sure a lot of them are excellent, but, like, she's going to seemingly, seemingly be very important. So, that was sort of an interesting little change. And they also talked about the um, very Suicoden-esque, uh, and it's in a lot of RPGs now, it has, like, the headquarters mechanic that grows and gains functionality as you recruit more people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah they, they shut off, like, one of, the, one of the new screenshots shows, like, the party formation screen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> goddamn. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yep, <laughs> that sure is so good. <laughs> we also got, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, that this next one on the list, going in order on our, on our dock, was only at the Japanese Nintendo Direct. 
And that was that Spike Chunsoft announced a new entry in the Shira and the Wanderer series. Shira and the Wanderer 6 will be launching in Japan and East Asia next January on January 25th. So uh, was it um, Tower of Fortune and Dice of Fate? Is that Shira and the Wanderer 5? So this is the first new yes, game that is. then? Yeah. So yep. that's the that first new that... game in over a decade because that was originally a DS game. Yeah, yeah this I, is a, actually, this is like 13 or 14 years since Shira and the Wanderer 5. So and then that 5 just got re-released forever. <laughs> um, you know, I obviously had had some uh, on English release as well. So this is the first new mainline entry in Shira and the Wanderer for like 13 or 14 years. So it's a pretty big deal uh, for Shiren fans. Um, how do you and, yeah. how do we feel about the art style? Because it's not pixel based it's like it's not GB. pixel it's, it's fully it's fully 3d now it's you know it's a t- side of the times i guess i i do kind of miss the pixel but if it's st- if it still keeps like you know the challenging aspect of shiren because like the the thing about shiren is like the, the the graphical style is nice but they're really there for for like that that really hardcore dungeon experience that of, like, like gameplay uh-huh. right? it's like always different every time you go in yeah so and that's something they really emphasize in this trailer too. It's like, yeah, it's the, the, the turn. It's still turn based in the sense that like any action that you take, it'll move time forward by one. So like you swing, all all the enemies near you take like a step forward. You move, enemies act in accordance because you you took your turn. Now we'll take our turn. So that's kind of, that, that that's they're still retaining the core elements of Shiren in it uh, along with this new art style. So I think as long. As they can, like you know, keep that uh, compelling gameplay loop. I think it'll do just fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly specifically what's new in in six, or if they detailed anything aside from that. Um, but obviously, you know, n- new locale. It's a more. Um, lo- lo- looks very. It, it lo- like the environments look a lot more um, tropical focused. I guess. It, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit, just barely, of like the um, Link's Awakening remake in mm. terms of its art style. Not quite as clean, doesn't have quite the same post-processing, but similar sort of look to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good uh, comparison point. I don't know. It switched to 3D. kind of reminds me of the N64 mystical Yunger games, if you get what I'm talking about. Which oh, games? yeah. Uh, mystical ninja uh goemon goemon oh yeah yeah there's 64 ones yeah reminds me of that i feel like that's kind of transitioned for like for like japanese like developers when they go 3d it's not like high budgety so it feels like an n64 you remember when falcom went to 3d from from trails to azure to the first cold steel oh man that was all the roughest transitions. Especially if anybody that imported the Vita version back when it <laughs> first came out. That was awful. People think it's, like, it's so good now. It's like, oh yeah, well, you never it's fucking so imported it. <laughs> <laughs> if you imported a game on launch, you literally had to wait 20 seconds every time you, you leave a room. And it took like a couple months before they patched it and reduced it to five. But it was bad. Yeah. Uh, we also but, got an announcement. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Tom. No, I was gonna say, it's like, is that all? It's like, is everyone happy so. this game? I, yeah, I, 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 I'm looking forward to Shiren, but I just, it just, but you know, it's, it's basically reintroducing. Yeah, this is Shiren. This is what, what it is. You know, yeah, it's like, I, I, I don't, with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh. yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know exactly like what's new in this one if they spelled out anything. And I, I, of course, when it comes down to the West, like I'll definitely play. Yeah, it. we it's, we didn't get any English press release yeah. or anything. Yeah, like they're that, really so. inaccessible. I think. 
I think it's like the second game was like on N64, and I don't even think I touched the second game until yeah. it's like it came to DS. It's like it's more accessible to like the mainstream, you know, at least. And they talk about they the, the what the way that um I believe Kite write this article, yeah, yeah. um described it is that you know it's still randomized, like 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 Josh was describing. It's still got the same feel to it. They they aren't like dumbing it down or anything like that. So it's still Sure in the Wanderer. Still got that mystery dungeon flavor to it. So. Um, and then, uh, obviously, we're going to be looking forward to the next next the next headline. We hopefully write for this is the announcement of um, a plan for an English release. We also got the announcement of a new upcoming DLC for the Chucklefish and Pixel Pill um, little adventure RPG Eastward. It's getting the Oct- Octopia DLC is coming this win- winter for Eastward. So this is a game that I believe Paige covered for us back when it released and actually really liked it. Let me double check. Yeah. Yeah. So this so, DLC yeah. is like, uh, it's like a standalone. It's basically just, it doesn't seem like it's really a story thing or a follow-up or anything like that. It's quite literally just, hey, let's just take the characters from Eastward. They literally like step into an alternate dimension where it's the same characters, but now it's a farming sim. Huh. Sort of fun. Yeah. All right. So there it's too just many like, farming sims. So yeah, it's basically a farming sim version of Eastward, is what I gathered. So, but yeah, Paige really liked Eastward, so she's excited about this DLC, even though it basically just changes everything in terms of it's not the same type of game anymore. But yeah, um, I guess it's it's interesting because that game came out like two years ago, and I don't yeah. know if anyone was really expecting DLC, but here it is. And then finally, I don't remember. I don't know if you knew this at all. It kind of when I read this headline, my first response was like, "Wait, really?" And that is yes. um, War Tales, which is a game that Josh and I kind of covered as a sort of like a surprise entry from like April when it released out of early access on PC. War Tales is now available for Nintendo Switch, so it was like literally shadow dropped. Did uh, you ever finish that? I well, the thing about War Tales is that it had like five or six bespoke regions, and each region right. has its own story. And I got to the point where, and like each story, like it actually says, like you've completed ten of twenty locations in this in this region. But then I I, I went to all the regions and completed, you know, I ba- I basically made it so that all my all my check boxes were filled in. But there's no like end credits or anything like that. It's oh. just like you're done. You can wander around now. You can do some random battles. Like that's it. Like come oh. back later. Oh, we're going right. to add we're going to add more regions. Like they're still treating the game like it's in early access a little bit or I wouldn't say that. That's a little bit I don't mean the connotation of that. They're planning to add two war tales by adding regions, uh, adding support, things like that. But I'm kind of like I got my fill. Like I I, I played through all right. the 1.0 release. I went through all yeah, the yeah, regions. You, you finished you finished the content that was there. I'm so. not that eager to be like, "Oh, you've got a new region. Jump back in." Like, eh, like I I got my fill. Uh, but when I play, when I think about it on Switch, I'm like, how is that going to work? It's kind of a little bit, not quite the Baldur's Gate thing, but I'm like, how do you play that with a controller? I, I'm sure it's yeah. fine. And I know that's a little bit me just being a fossil and not being flexible. Um, but like, I, it's just one of those things where I can't imagine playing with a controller, but I'm sure it's not as hard, not as hard as I'm making it out to be. Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking like, like, you can have a lot of party members on the field in that game. Yeah. <laughs> really? And like sometimes, sometimes, so I I have like a reflex to like grab my controller when I turn on Steam. And sometimes there's been a handful of times I like launch Baldur's Gate and I have my controller. I'm like, wait, this feels wrong. Like, oh yeah, what what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So War Tales is a game that I actually kind of really liked in terms of like 
the sort of experience that it offered it's just a little bit different from other even like even western rpgs or other rpgs of its ilk it just still is a little bit more like story light a little bit more of just your adventuring band and the sorts of things that you encounter traveling across a continent and it's very cool that it's on switch just the shadow drops are always neat um so i hope it finds an audience uh clearly yeah. they're they must have they must have done some market research to determine like yeah let's let's do the job required to port this thing and and get it out there so i um, mean it's kind of like it's it's a surprise but not a bad one i'm just thinking of like hopefully hopefully they they really uh resize the text for that screen in handheld mode because some of that text can get really small when you're playing on pc not only the text but like when you're on the overworld and you're moving your little caravan around yeah. like the, on a p on a pc monitor that i'm sitting three feet away from it's pretty small i'm trying to imagine that like playing that handheld on the switch so it'll be interesting yeah. to see the last bit of games are all games that were previously announced that were coming out later this year uh, that all got demos. And I believe all three of these games have demos that will transfer to the final release. Um, hopefully that's a correct statement. So in uh, no, no. Uh, Dra oh, no. Dragon Quest Monsters is, is a weird one. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. All right. I kind of say, hopefully that's a correct statement. Then immediately a bunch of the chorus goes, no. All right, let's just go in <laughs> order. The first one, um, Star Ocean, the second story R. This is obviously the very cool looking uh, remaster with new art style for Star Ocean 2 that is releasing in early November. Um, it's coming out on Switch as well as PlayStation and PC. Uh, the a new demo is now available. It's a three-hour demo that only goes... It's a time-limited demo that also only allows you to go so far, so it's kind of got two limits to it that will transfer over to the final game. Uh, the new demo is now available on all the consoles and uh, PC as well. Sometimes PC doesn't get the demo for whatever reason, but it does in this case for Star Ocean R. Um, and then we got a pretty long gameplay trailer alongside. This wasn't in the Nintendo Direct directly, as far as I'm aware. That talks about just like how the battle system works, how the uh, item creation works, all the other like ancillary systems that Star Ocean vets are aware of, but um, people who are you know going to use this as a as a you know a gateway, a launching endpoint, might not know what that means. So uh, kind of good little gameplay overview for Star Ocean, the second story. Yeah, are. They, they, they added they, fishing. They <laughs> yep. added fishing. And uh, they even actually RPGs. added. Uh, so Josh, when he was talking about his preview when he played it at PAX, was talking about some of these things. And there's, um, we actually have details on our site about like the new assault action gauge, where you can, uh, I won't go into like all the specifics here, but uh, you can like break an enemy's guard uh, when you uh, fill up their assault gauge, and then you can gr grab help from like reserve characters. And I guess there's even you can even get characters from like other Star Ocean games. Yeah, like weird, crossover like, cameos. Crossovers. Yeah, like like Leticia from Star Ocean Six, the, the protagonist yes. of Star Ocean Six. Yeah, the protagonist. There's no yeah. other protagonist. Um, so <laughs> uh, just showing up and just doing like a kind of like a weird follow up attack in some form, and then um, yeah, so it's sort of interesting. Um, now also the world map shows private actions on the world map the original game didn't have that did it i'm I, sure I don't it i don't think so i, I, I yeah. quite remember like once you yeah. get a new character or yeah. after you get a plot beat like you want kind of wanted just to randomly check the older towns just to see if there's new private actions but it seems like they added that sort of quality of life where now you can see private actions on the map i might be getting it conflated with the original game but in any case it's there um and then they there's also details about like the uh the uh, crafting system, the cooking, publishing, conducting an orchestra, mm -hmm. all those sorts of specialties that uh, Star Ocean has, which are always fun. I've written about it before. 
uh, bunny races. Yeah, loves the bunny races, and then fishing, which is brand new. And they even introduce a new NPC named yep. Real. Of course, that, that's that's some nominative nominative determinism there. If your name is Real, you're going to be a fisher. That's just how it is. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I got to name my kid Real. <laughs> but yeah, that demo is available now. I downloaded it on my PC. I don't know when I'll get to it, but there it is. So the one demo that you've teed me up and says it does not carry to the full game, but is also now available, is a demo for Dragon Quest Monsters The Dark Prince, which is the Dragon Quest Monsters 3 kind of successor. Wait. It's it's like it's a prequel to 4. Well, but it's Dragon Quest Monsters 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, whoops. I'm I'm thinking about Sara as Pissarro as the character. Uh, (laughs) My mind already went to fucking (laughs) Sara. Yeah. uh, So so the the game is uh, Switch exclusive. It'll, you know, precedent shows that it'll likely release for PC in the middle of 2024, but we'll see. Um, But the demo is now available. Adam, you kind of uh, implied that the demo for Dragon Quest Monsters of Dark Prince is set up a bit unorthodoxly. Uh, You like, you don't transfer your your playthrough or your stats it's just like the type of monster that you collect you can like oh, transfer that and that's yeah, so so like yeah your story progress from the demo does not carry over you don't pick up where you left off from the demo story progress wise but any monsters you recruit in your active battle party and your reserves and their levels does transfer over into oh. the full game from the demo so it's like mostly your monsters only Nothing else. Very weird. Hey, at least you get something out of it. But uh, that demo is also now available. I believe I saw Paige was playing through it. I couldn't quite parse how she was feeling of it. She was kind of throwing some off-the-cuff remarks about her experience uh, just in our chat, but hasn't put together a preview or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, Colin is playing it, too. It's like, it's like it's because, like, you know, it's like it's, uh, you might be thrown off by the DQ monsters in terms of, like, there'll be some parts of it where you can't, like, directly control your monsters yeah mm-hmm. so Paige made a comment like wait can i not control my monsters and i don't really know the full context but a lot yeah. of dragon quest games actually have uh i know dragon quest 8 had it i don't remember if 11 had it but a lot of dragon quest games oftentimes have like a monster coliseum where you can't control your monsters you just like pick a team and let them fight yeah so i'm assuming this game has a similar mode um yeah i haven't tried out the demo so... for myself either so i think uh, 11 that... had it Did I... I know eight for sure sorry <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm still in the wait for PC uh, version uh, <laughs> um, territory for me, especially after hearing some people like, you know, the performance. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, so it goes. And Dragon, I played Dragon Quest Treasures on PC, you know, only a few months ago, and it's a pretty solid PC port. So it's like, hey, I'll just wait. Yeah. So you know, um, yeah. And then the last demo, I couldn't, I couldn't parse if this was at the Nintendo Direct or not. But the the it silent like like marvelous. None of these, none of these were advertised in the direct. You would okay. think they would be because that'd be a pretty, a pretty big deal. But they were all just separate press releases. Say, <laughs> like, there's a demo out. It's like, okay, <laughs> thanks. And like this game, Silent Hope from Marvelous was initially announced at a Nintendo Direct. Um, yes. But so I guess this demo wasn't technically at the direct, but announced at the same time. But anyways, go ahead, Josh. I have been I have been a sicko mode for the Silent Hope demo. Oh, TSF, the Silent Hope demo that's now available. Okay, so this also was on this demo is also on PC. Um, This demo, at the very most, 
if you're a sane person, if you just want to do one, well, just a, a playthrough of this demo normally, at the very most, you could probably squeeze out an hour and a half. For usually, probably less, but I, I have put over five hours into this demo because I'm a fucking insane person. Um, in this demo, the, like inside of the hope, you have uh, seven playable characters, and they all play differently. They have different skills, different movesets. And in the demo, you only you play through the tutorial, and then you play through like the first like ten dungeon floors into like the first uh, story boss. Um, and then like the, the in the demo, it caps you at level ten, and you can only get like rank one armor. But your armor has rarities. It can be common. Who cares? It be green, which is eh, blue, which is eh, okay, and then orange is legendary. Uh huh. So and and th- those could drop. So I put over five hours of this fucking demo because I've gotten uh, insane and and I, I the six of the seven playable characters I have got I have gotten uh, them to level ten, and I have picked up all their legendary weapons, and they also have legendary accessories that um. That I just pass around between them, and there are, and there are also like s- slot gems that you can put into them. Like some loot has like a gem slot that you can slot in a gem, and these gems also have rarities as well. So one one of the legendary accessories I have has a legendary gem in it as well. Um, so you're just gonna be like in God mode when the game releases. So I guess I just been kind of like experimenting, like like what sort of like like mo- stat modifiers and transfixers are in, in this game in terms of like. Uh, that like some is like cooldown reduction on your skills. Some is like t- dodge cooldown on your or, or co- cooldown reduction in your dodge. Some is like attack speed. Some is like crit crit damage, um, and all that sort of stuff. And then I, I and then I and then for the last like the thirty minutes before I like put down that game, like I, I've been I've been trying to farm the first boss again, again, and again, trying to get the last. Uh, legendary to drop for the character that i don't have which is the magic caster dude that's the only one i have left and i'm like well i'm this far in i have six of the seven done before this game comes out i might as well try to get his stuff right so yeah i can't stop now yeah i can't stop now i mean i'm I'm this far in so i I mean i enjoyed my time it's a very simple game it's a very simple action it's probably something like you can even like have like your younger sibling or like your kid can play you know, and it's like it's totally fine for that. Um, sort of so it's like it's kind of like a beginner's first uh, action RPG. It, it, like it, like at the very beginning, it seems very simple. You have you start unlocking skills, you beat up enemies, isometric camera, so so on and so forth. Um, so it's not like a deep deep game, but it's like for me, it's like a relaxing game. You know, it's like not it's a game that I don't really have to think about what I'm doing and playing. I'm just kind of going through the motions, kind of just having a good time. Just you know. Going through it. Sounds like a Rune Factory game. I think that kind of covers us for all of the headlines for like around. I guess some of these, like you said, aren't technically Nintendo Direct. Uh, but all the things that, we, that were covered at the Nintendo Direct, I think we've hit those here as well as the state of play. Um, making sure I'm not missing anything that fall through the cracks there are a few other things that came out just very recently or just after those two events that we'll kind of go into here as we start to wrap up there's still a a number of headlines here but some new release dates and delays so we'll try to kind of wrap through these uh kind of pretty quickly so in kind of no real order there's really no characters uh categorization to this um 
Obviously, one of the other releases in late September is the upcoming DLC for Cyberpunk 2077 and the accompanying Cyberpunk 2.0 update. Uh, I think this is the first time we learned this, that they're actually kind of be landing on slightly separate dates. The Cyberpunk 2.0 update, so the general update to the base game, is coming out on September 21st. DLC, as previously announced, is coming out on September 26th. Uh, they announced a new cinematic trailer um, for the game, which I kind of looked at and kind of went in one ear out the other. It's a lot of just Idris Elba, um, <laughs> just being Idris Elba, uh, acting as a new character in the game. Uh, I I kind of I'm interested in like replaying through Cyberpunk at some point to kind of team me up on where, you know, because this is not an epilogue story. It takes place like in the middle of the expansion, uh, in the middle of the game. So I'm curious to see how that'll work out. Um, that's kind of how like the Witcher three expansions worked as well, or at least I think it's I think so if I remember right. Uh, but the we have the new trailer for that as well as some details about what's coming out with the uh the 2.0 update. I think the uh, the staggered release date I think just sort of makes sense in terms of have the update come out first and maybe have a few days to do hot fixes or whatever in terms of like making sure it lands okay it doesn't weirdly affect anyone's game or progress or whatever and then have the dlc come in like the next week versus like all at once mm -hmm. so that's my assumption we got a new uh trailer for the upcoming release of disguise 7 vows of the virtuous this game oh, release also, that's also a demo oh that's also a demo yeah so does that one carry <laughs> over uh i don't remember yes it does it will so yeah so there you go Lots of demo. So demo if you like demos you've got plenty to choose from right yeah if you're not if you're not already underwater with games that have fully released you can play demos for games coming out in like a couple months oh uh, yeah so that's the sky seven coming out in early october Here's an interesting headline. Uh, on a slower week, we could have led with this, maybe. Um, Digital Eclipse, and this is out of nowhere, as far as I'm aware, is working on a full 3D remake of the very first Wizardry game, Wizardry Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord, and not quite a demo, but it is in early access right now, so you can play it. Uh, I haven't gone to the Steam page to see if anyone's tried. Um, you know, Wizardry is like a very kind of acquired taste. But just the fact that we're talking about wizardry as often as we are, like in the last couple uh, years, in these kind of very strange kind of um, formats, is interesting, and I'm here for it. And hey, it's uh, I'm on Steam. It's got 29 reviews for the early access thing that released yesterday. I guess. Uh, yeah, it was a surprise announcement out of nowhere. So they didn't, it, uh, you know, uh, uh, leading up to it, just like kind of a shadow drop. But they did say that. You know, the entire core game is playable from start to finish, and uh, it's in early access because, you know, they just want to, uh, there will be likely some bugs and some visual elements that aren't, like, 100% finalized. They also uh, want to um, localize, you know, uh, they want to add uh, the text localization, so they want to probably bring it to other languages. Right now on Steam, it just lists English. Um, they also want to, you know, add a guide to in-game enemies, other features uh, they believe will benefit players, and uh, they were... They 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 stressed that like the they didn't change like the core experience of the game like they didn't like make the game easier they only added like quality of life features on top of like the full 3D interface so they you know they 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 wanted to add like sort of um like a, the quality of life enhances like higher fighting navigation spell casting party management um and all that sort of stuff so just to make just to get that info easier because obviously. 
this is a very, very old and a very, very, very important game in terms of like establishing the RPG genre in video games. Um, this game first came out on the Apple II, uh, like around the 1980s, like around 1981. Um, and then obviously it began development before that around 1978 and then had like a beta period throughout 1980. And, you know, and this is the game that inspired games like Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest. All the most, all the all the RPGs that you think are the pillars of RPGs now, this is the game they were looking at when you know when yep. they were making that game. Um, so Wizardry. Spe- speaking of not making it easier, yeah. I'm reading some of these team reviews, and they're great. My character died uh, in the second fight. Ten out of ten. Yep. Yeah. Someone and someone's like took a default level two party and uh, out for a spin. Ran into a group of level five rogues. Let's do this. Yeah, and and it's really fucking cool because they they built this on top of the original Apple II code. So that means that you can have the original game running app on the Apple II interface in real time as you're playing through the full 3D remake, which is fucking crazy. That sounds bizarre. Yeah, Didn't, wasn't there a similar deal with uh, that Wonder Boy uh, remake? Did they? Yes, I, I played that. You okay. could like instantly switch to like, what is it? Is it the Sega Master System graphics? Like in a swap of the button, and oh, have yeah, all the exact same, same physics. Crazy. Yeah, and you know, Digital Eclipse is well, well known and well respected. You know, they they their recent releases are the Atari Fifty, the Anniversary Collection. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of great talk about the recently like docu game release of so the the making of. Kara, Karateka, and um, and um, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga collection, and those are like all phenomenal, like arcade archives of like old old games. You know, they really do it justice, unlike just uh, re-releasing those old games the, with modern touches, and most importantly, with those types of games, like getting an art, like a digital archive of those, like the development history and assets and anything that they can find. And putting them into those games and making sure, um, you know, that that's all accessible in that format. That like that's like they they actively want to preserve video games in an earnest fashion, and it, it never, you know, I have I have a lot of respect for Digital Eclipse and the yeah, work them, them, them and Night Dive, who just did the yes. remake, are like I'm really glad we have studios like them doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that 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 this is something that I definitely want to keep an eye. I want to get it when there's like you know, um, a, a less busy time in games. But and also I need to like relearn how to play Wizardry because man, getting into Wizardry is so fucking hard. It is a brutal punishing game. <laughs> oh man. So that but that's it was so cool just to see. It's like what the fuck really? That's that's awesome. That's awesome. We had a small update for the upcoming Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. It announced a new character, Gonda Goza. Gonda Goza. So, Chow, is this is this is this Chad? Is he worth He's it? He's always like this this like master that beats the shit out of people and trains them, and then just goes off fishing or something. His his play style seems to be uh, very you know melee focused. So, if people who want a, 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 like a brawler type character, um, this seems this seems to be your dude. I wonder, like you know, that was it. This character, his VA kind of passed away quite a while ago. I wonder if they actually like, really passed kind of passed away or passed away, Chow. <laughs> well, he passed away oh, okay. and like quite a while ago, oh, and okay. I'm not sure if they 
had like all those lines for this guy recorded like way before Life because it, in like the actual Grand Blue game it's like all the like his newer events is like it's just kind of like reusing his old lines and stuff I'm just like wondering oh. if they have this all done before you know they put this character in or I'd have to be imagine as a new VA that'd be really weird if they're just like using like very very old lines from the browser mobile game it's like well, uh, I don't know anything about this character this is the first time I've heard of this character yeah, he's him. always like there's like one dynamic pose of him, and you when you fully uncap this guy to level 100, he gets this Akuma pose where he, he stands with his back, and it, you know the way Akuma always stands with his back, where you could see <laughs> like the the kanji like heaven on his back or whatever, or oh, but yeah, he does that pose, and everyone's like, oh my god, this dude's so badass, but gameplay wise, is not that good, <laughs> so. It was never a fan favorite of mine. Is this a character that would have been expected to be playable in an RPG like Remake? Or a Relink? I guess if you're into the series, I guess he's kind of like an old veteran character. He's like, he's there since like like the ancient times. Oh, and then like, okay. like Lancelot and Percival, you know, those are like early characters, right? It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, they have to put them there because... His grandfather did. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> early... Well, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. They also the that there's since the Grand Blue Fantasy Showcase uh, Part One thing happened. Um, the, I guess the only other notable thing uh, for the Relink side of that was they like had like a cool rundown that actually like showed like gameplay footage of like every single character that's been revealed in that game, like in like almost like a reel, but like you get to see some st- substantial things from every character that they've shown off. So that that that, that was fun to like watch and see. Like, oh, okay, the, this is what the, this character does. You know. Once again, just around the corner, that's February first, second, I forgot, early February next year. And then I just saw these trailers come by my feed, like, a couple hours before this podcast. Uh, trailers for the upcoming Level 5 games that were announced um, earlier this year. Looks like a couple for Decapolis, one for Fantasy Life, The Girl Who Steals Time. And one for the uh, big Inazuma 11 RPG, Inazuma 11 Victory Road. So these are all basically gameplay trailers. Well, I guess for the um, Fantasy Life, it's a first trailer. Go ahead, James. So all three of these are going to be playable at TGS. I've been trying desperately to figure out how I can play them if I can just walk up on one of the business days. Uh, So we've been trying to figure out who's handling PR for these. Uh, what I can tell you is I found out that the booth that they're at at TGS is the same booth that Nintendo's at. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So, I said ta- so Nintendo of Japan, obviously, like, got an email from TGS saying, hey, if you want to s- sign up for these, uh, for, like, uh, appointments with companies, here's how they have it done. It's like, Nintendo Ch- Japan says, hey, so we sent out a form to anyone on our, pr- our press list. And it's like, fuck. So, mm. so we'll see how that works out. Good luck. Yeah, ne- next next weekend is TGS. So when we come back here, it'll be. Uh, I guess I don't know if TGS is going to be uh, already done or if it's going to be in the middle of TGS. I don't know what the exactly what the timing uh, is. But... So next week, I'm not going to be on the Tetracast because yeah. Saturday and Sunday next week are TGS days. Okay. But yeah. Granted, granted. Uh... Oh yeah, definitely won't be able to because it'll be a Friday night uh or like uh saturday like very very early morning in uh, japan time so that yeah yeah so anyways uh, good, uh, we salute you james for your 
uh, good luck. These the, like level five should have public demos. So my hope is is that even if I don't have an appointment, I can walk up on one of the business days and hopefully be able to play in the in the regular line if there is one. But I'm sure I'll be able to figure something out. Hopefully, the, hopefully. The bodyguards and body block. You're like no, 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 no. Yeah, get the. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, th these trailers are basically going to be the ones that they like kind of put on loop uh, in, in Tokyo Game Show. Um, so, you know, they, these are just like kind of getting them out there early. And then, you know, if you're like there in person, like James, you know, when you're around the level five section, you'll have these like trailers on loop for these games. So, so I was just watching these trailers just now because they only popped, they only released earlier this morning. So Deco Police is probably the most interesting to me. It's got like a turn-based battle system. It's got like a stylized anime-ish art style. It, I don't know how to describe this, but it looks like a level five game. And uh, it's also got this sort of like detective kind of putting together evidence sort of mechanic. Yeah, that's the, that's the mechanic um, I'm most interested in. Yeah. So it, the, the, these, these trailers are up on the Japanese level five YouTube channel. And I'll post them to our site, you know, by the end of the weekend, at least. And... They have English like subtitles, so you know what the characters are saying, but a lot of the UI is still in Japanese, so it's a little bit hard to know exactly what I'm looking at. But yeah, it's Decaplease seems to be sort of half and half turn-based RPG, and then also the sort of like gathering evidence and determining conclusions and of some form, so some sort of detective police kind of mechanic to it. And then the level five trailer, uh, or sorry, the fantasy life tra trailer, um, it looks like what I understand fantasy life is in terms of you're creating a town, there's fishing, there's farming, there's shopkeeping, those sorts of elements. It's got a very TV art style to it. Everyone's got a head that's as big as their body sort of thing, you know, but it's, um, it's, it's cute. I know a lot. We have, I think we've talked before fantasy life on 3ds is a lot of fans. So I'm sure they're excited for this one. And the Inazuma 11 trailer, um, it's actually a fair a fair chunk of it is actually just like um, 2D animation, though it does have a little bit of gameplay. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of like Scarlet Violet, only like the th it's not Pokemon, it's all soccer. Uh, so so the, the, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of people, uh, I forgot if it was like around Sword and Shield or, or, or before that, but people compared that to like Yokai Watch 4. And yeah, yeah. Yokai Watch 4 just looks so much better with that mm -hmm. open world style. And then, you know, obviously Yokai Watch is like kind of like sort of not Pokemon. And it just looked way better uh, visually and obviously performance wise. Uh, and the last couple of things here are just some newly announced dates or some updates to some things coming out over the next couple of months. Uh, we knew that September 27th was the date for the second DLC for Wallong Fallen Dynasty. We also knew that Wallong Fallen Dynasty was going to have a Lies of P collaboration, of all things. Uh, turns out they're happening on the same date. So Wallong Fallen Dynasty will have its Lies of P collaboration and its second DLC on September 27th. It seems like the Lies of P collaboration is just like two new weapons. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I mean, it's a free collab, you know, it's about what you expect. Genshin Impact 4.1 is launching on September 27th. We can't even ask Chow about that anymore because he doesn't play it anymore. I really don't. <laughs> I haven't logged in in like a month and a half. So I pronounce his name. There's two new characters, Nuvelet and Riothelisi. I'm not familiar with his name. Sorry. 
His names are too hard <laughs> for me to say. Uh, yeah, so apparently Fontaine region is being expanded. So you'll encounter the fortress of Meropide. Meropide? <laughs> we probably sound like such chumps trying to read this. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, the two new playable characters, Nuvolet and Ryothsley. And they announce our anniversary and... awards, guys. You get 20 rolls. That's that it. Uh, okay. I need to know the etymology of these names in order to pronounce them correctly. Hmm. Uh, Cassette Beasts is getting a DLC on October 4th called Cassette Beasts Peer of the Unknown. It is a new storyline, a new location, 12 new monsters, few costumes. Uh, Cassette Beasts I played back when it released in April, but it's kind of the similar thing as um, earlier in the podcast where I'm like, uh, like War Tales. Well, yeah, I played Cassette Beasts. I enjoyed it, but I'm kind of like, if a DLC had been out when I started, I would have surely played it, but I, I don't see enough here to like be like, oh yeah, time to re-download and boot this back up. Um, it's a pretty good Pokemon like though, so if you, if you haven't played it, uh, go ahead and check out Cassette Beasts. It's getting its DLC in just under a month. Um, I believe we knew everything about this next update except the date, um, and that's the Four Mercenary Sagas Chronicles game, which they all have their own unique subtitles are coming to Steam. Uh, the date for those is October 12th. So those are all originally just on Switch. Um, and now they're going to be on PC as well. So that means there are, for those keeping track, which is me, there are seven <laughs> of these games. And the first six of them are now on PC. The seventh one is still Switch only, I think. Gotcha. Uh, here's a pretty uh, key one that actually kind of came up earlier. Um, Nosia, the social deduction game that originally released in uh, the West in 2021, will be launching on the other consoles, PlayStation and Xbox, on December 14th. It got the Steam release just earlier this year in January. Uh, it was originally Switch exclusive. So, um, but right, no more excuses. Everyone has to play it now. I no more excuses. Yeah, you're right. All right, I'll get the physical edition of <laughs> Toho Luna Nights. Okay, thanks, Chow. <laughs> uh, why, why, why is that a substitute? Look, Chow. It comes out around the same period of time, I think. Why would you hurt? We're me talking. We're talking. We're talking about Nojo. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna play yeah. Toho. So go, okay. Classic Chow. Ah, oh, fine, I guess. Um, I Broken. Oh, I guess I didn't quite keep these in chronological order. Oops. Um, Broken Roads. This is the like Fallout-like RPG, uh, post-apocalyptic RPG that takes place in Australia. Uh, will be launching on November 14th for Xbox and PC via Steam. Paige is excited about this one. I'm kind of looking forward to it, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for Paige, think... it's, it's kind of hilarious because she, she is in Australia. She's like, yeah, yeah. post-apocalyptic RPG Australia. Let's this go. Doesn't feel like Let's go, mate. Page, this doesn't feel like the type of game Paige would like, but it's like, oh, it's on, it's, it's on, it's uh, in Australia. Australia. I like so, Australia. I'm obligated to play it. it. It's like, yeah, it's like, if, I, if it's like if an RPG came out and it was like in, uh, based in the Philippines or it took place in the Philippines, like, I, it might not be like my type of RPG, but like, I, I gotta do it. I gotta get to do it for the Filipino people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader. This is the new Owlcat CRPG that uh, Josh got to talk about a little bit um, a couple weeks ago. We'll be launching on December 7th for console and PC at the same time, which I think is a first for their studio, because I think usually the PC release would launch earlier. And then the console release might launch with the definitive edition on PC as they kind of bundle it all together. So, so 
<laughs> one like uh it's really cool and kind of weird to see like you know more and more crpgs coming to consoles because you know crpgs are you know traditionally very like you PC know pc-centric um, yeah. PC pc-focused good like keyboard and mouse is usually the way to play them but you know i i think it's just really cool to see like more high profile ones like obviously Baldur's gate um and then more of these uh, crpgs coming to consoles um two I it's I'm really surprised that Rogue Trader is coming this year. It's not like it's not like what I saw at, at Pax West was like early or anything, um, but it's just like it, it to me. Uh, it, it looked like a game that was coming next year. I wasn't expecting it this year. It's cool to see that it's coming in this year, and hopefully, it, like it launches in a pretty like decent state because I know some of the Pathfinder launches have been a little rocky, if I remember correctly. Kingmaker, I could not beat Kingmaker when I had my review copy. Like I was blocked out of the ending because like the quest mm. would not progress properly. King, yeah, uh, I would summarize it as Kingmaker launched in a terrible state. Mm. Like I don't think I could pull one that I played or witnessed firsthand that was worse. Wrath of the Righteous launched in a bad state, but to their credit, it was the sort of thing like if you followed the game on Steam, like every other day, it's like Hotfix 1, Hotfix 2, Hotfix 2.5. Like they like they were on it, but then it's kind of like talk about a game coming in hot. That's that's the poster child. Um, uh, I know I know a few I have a few people. I know a few people, maybe Brian included, who they love the Pathfinder games. They don't really care about Warhammer. But they're like, well, I like this studio. I like their game. So I'm going to try this one. But also, they were not also they were also not expecting this to release this year. <laughs> and they're but they're kind of they're like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to this in December. But Owlcat launches are usually pretty rough, so maybe I'll just wait until like February. Oh, or well, also, I, I was googling around as we're talking about this. Remember, they announced that second DLC set for Wrath of the Righteous, which is kind of weird because they Kingmaker they they announced three and they launched three wrath of the righteous they announced three and then they launched three and then they said they're going to make three more and then dlc yes. four came out pretty quick but apparently it's been right as far as far as i can tell i'm kind of like looking at reddit and seem like radio silence since then like apparently they're working on they're still working on wrath of the righteous post support so i'm like oh i, I guess, think i think alcat has two studios they have and I don't know how the they're Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a separate teams from right, from uh, what I um, spoke with. Like so, okay. yeah. Should, should it, so that 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 should be separate from Rogue Traders team because Rogue Traders, I understand, is a separate team in Alcat that's working on it. I know. I, th I think one is in Cyprus and one is in more proper Russia somewhere. I'll look this up. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, but we'll see hopefully like i said hopefully this launches in a decent state and like and nothing like what their past <laughs> release that launches have been i don't want this to come out and be like well there's like five five hot fixes in it and that, that'd be kind of hard to do because this launching on consoles as well and i don't know if you can hot fix as easily as you can on console right my understanding like is that just, the cert process is a little bit more yeah. cumbersome on console yeah so this would be so if they're if they're trying to launch this on on day and date on consoles and PC and they want to keep parity between them, like PC odd fixes would come in later than you would like if it was if it launched in a bad bad state, you know. If they wanted to keep parity between them, so I don't know. It's kind of a, a weird one. Let's see. Is that uh? Hades 2? Feels like a long time we've heard about Hades 2. Uh, Supergiant Games announced formally that early access for Hades 2 is going to be pushed back. It's now planned for um, Q2 of 2024. 
you know what? Is, is, is it early access will be day and date on Steam. Uh, apparently, oh, yeah. I found oh. out the other day that, like, Supergiant outright said that, like, making early access, like, Epic exclusive for the first game was one of the worst mistakes they made. Oh, oh. did they say that? Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it's, uh, I didn't care about Hades until, like, it, it launched on Steam and, like, it was fully done, so... I don't know if I'll hop in on early access on Hades too, but it, it is. I really like Hades a lot, so I might, I might give it the temptation. But then again, you look at what's like Q2 2024 already, as we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly with how long it's been since the original Hades release. It's like, yeah, I understand why they're doing another early access period, but it feels like if you're gonna release early access in late 2024, it's like that almost feels like it would be when you'd expect the sequel to hit. It's weird. Uh, I, I, I I have full faith in Supergiant. I haven't played all oh, of yeah, games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Hades 1 is, like, it's, like, a set, like, yeah, it's incredible. It's, like, a 10 out of 10 game. I'm sure Hades 2 will be just as good. They have not made a bad game. Yeah, so I've, it'll, I've it'll be good. Transistor and I've only played Transistor and Hades, but both of those are excellent. And Pyre feels like the type of game that it's really hard to describe, but everyone who plays it, Apparently loves it. So. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really like Pyre. Like, uh, it, it's an unusual game, but there, but it's not definitely a game for everyone. But I liked it, you know. Like, it, it was so, it was so unique. Um, it, it's definitely hard to describe. But yes, yeah, Super Giant Games, as yeah, as as you mentioned, I don't think uh, like I played all their games, and I have not been disappointed by a single one. So I have pretty high expectations of them, and they, they continue to deliver. So it's uh it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with a direct sequel for one of their games because it's their first one, right? And then the last bit of news I have here that to kind of sign off on is that obviously we have Tokyo Game Show to look forward to in the next week, but we also have this has become kind of like a semi regular thing. This is like their fifth one in two and a half years. A new RGG Summit. Um, coming on september 20th so that'll be in just a, a few days so we'll it's go, go, worth go. mentioning it's worth mentioning i'm sorry to interrupt but no um this has a japanese stream which i think will have okay there's a japanese stream and then like immediately afterwards there's an english stream um so like i think the japanese stream is still going to be like subtitled or something in english i might be wrong but then there's it's like very bizarre english there's yeah. an English stream right afterwards, and people are wondering, well, maybe the English stream will have like some of the English voice actors or something. Um, but yeah, there's kind of, there's kind of like two streams back to back, which and I know the English part of that is new. Yeah, so like yeah, so the, we had the RGG Summit Fall 2023, and that's kind of the the one primarily like two English audiences. Then they have a RGG like a Dragon Direct, which is distinctly separate uh, from that. But just but it happens like right after it or something. So it's just... Oh, so I literally looking at the press release here. The RGG Like a Dragon Direct serves as the development team's counterpart to the RGG Summit, which will air from Japan. Okay. So, yeah, there's like two different streams, so it seems like there are probably going to be a lot of overlap, but there might be you know some specifics for like the Western release or something. I need to like work out the times for them. I didn't actually like I I know they were separate, but I didn't actually work out like what the times were. Do they have a release date for Yakuza? 8? No. We ex but I, this is where you would expect it. We don't. We know it's supposedly early next year. We also Almost haven't seen ever, any it, game, gameplay, right? It, so. uh, it, 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 well, I'm just saying, if, if like a Dragon Eight, it's like 
February next year, it's so fucking over. What am I gonna do? <laughs> it can't be. It cannot be February. If it's February, I'm gonna cry. I'm, like, I'm, gonna, guess, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess late March. That's my late, okay, late March is, sounds better. You're eating so good, and now you're complaining. I don't. Blah, blah, blah. I complain about having like uh, like uh, too many games releasing too closely to each other. Of course. First world problems. When Chow when Chow goes to a nice restaurant that he really likes, he orders yeah. like five entrees. That's just how he <laughs> works. No, you order the appetizer. You go into a fancy restaurant and you say you just want fries. Is that the same? Have you as done watching, that, Chow? Uh, that's a, that's, that's the equivalent of watching YouTube instead of playing the game. I, I did that once before to a restaurant, and they're like, <laughs> "That guy only orders fries." But he <laughs> orders fries. <laughs> <laughs> he comes here often enough, so we like him. <laughs> They call you like the fry guy there, I bet, just behind the yeah. scenes. Yeah, I like the fries, so I don't need to order fries. That's all right. I respect that actually. If their fries are that good, it's worth just going there alone. All right. <laughs> and with that, we finally made it to the end of everything that was announced or detailed or um, elaborated on in the last week it's been quite a week as it always is the week before tokyo game show and because i, I guess going... uh, hold on. before before we end i just want to say, like i guess it's worth mentioning yes we have been hearing we've been keeping up with the unity development stuff oh, behind yeah. the scenes on like all that like and of course like our fucking hearts go out to all the the affected developers especially in the rpg space you know who have like who've uh built their games on unity and are currently running their games on on like upcoming games on unity as well it's just like the whole situation fucking sucks if 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 this unity stuff causes uh like emerald beyond to get delayed or worse i will never forgive john uh, ricitillo i'm surprised this guy has a job i mean this guy literally got fired back like i don't know eight years ago from ea and even suggested charging people for bullets on reloading it's like how the fuck does people even hire take this guy as their leader yeah it's it's not it's not great so you know we've been you know we won't spell it out because it's been long long enough here but you know we've been keeping up with it we've been keeping an eye on it and yeah we're seeing like so many so not not even just like RPGs, but so many games in general are affected. Like, there's so many fucking games built on Unity. Um, so, yeah, I like, we'll, we'll uh, see how. I like Josh Sawyer's tweet where he's like, mm-hmm. "I love how there's a stream of updates from like the third parties that work with Unity that are all like, oh, don't worry, they've clarified it. The bad thing is actually worse. There's also this less bad thing that's the same amount of bad. And then there's a secret third bad thing. Like, every time they open their mouth, there's just, you think you know all the details and it just gets worse. It's bad yeah. enough that some yeah. publishers would rather like remove their game from, from able to be purchased just so that they don't have to like be charged with those ridiculous fees that they have. Yeah, and if, if, if people don't know, just a very, very brief, brief like synopsis of it is like, like how it is is right now, like a Unity charges, a, a Unity used to charge like a flat fee and then like you release your product and then they take a percentage of, uh, of it. And then now they're charging it uh, based on per install, where like if you reach a certain threshold, then every new install you have to pay them like a certain amount uh based off of per install that also includes like if you're like reinstalling a game and downloading it that's counted as install if you're if it's if your game is like it runs on a browser and a play and a person refreshes that tab with that uh uh game it's counted as an install because it has to run it again because it goes through a runtime tool so that's just the very 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 basic thing of like them changing up their monetization model to be ten thousand times worse than what it already yeah what it was 
And the thing is, is that literally every single dev is saying there is no way to reasonably track this unless there's been telemetry in like Unity games for basically forever. And one, if they did, that breaks GDPR and a whole bunch of privacy laws in other in like certain countries. Two, that would be an even greater breach of trust. I hope to get sued to oblivion. That's all I hope. Yeah, it's there's no way that this uh, like fully stays, but it's like it. The fact that they're they're fighting this hard when literally everyone disliked that is just insane. Like the craziest thing, the craziest thing about this whole situation is the in exile tweet. I'm not sure if anyone saw it, but in exile's like official Twitter account uh, put out a tweet basically saying, "Hey, you want to charge us for uh, games that we released a decade ago? Well, come fucking try and say it." Here, actually, here's the tweet. Oh, yes, we're here to collect money for a game you released 10 years ago, and it was just the gif of Mor- uh, Morgan Freeman saying, good luck. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're continuing to follow developments on that. And, yeah, I just wanted to ma- give that a, a quick mention because I know we brought it up earlier. Yeah, yeah and give some context I guess, to it. I guess the stress with the in- in Exile thing is that uh, they're owned by Microsoft. <laughs> so. In Exile is an excellent. I, I they just have like the sense of humor that aligns with me perfectly. And I know this is more serious, but they're really good at these sorts of things. All right, we thank you for wrapping that up at the end because it did provide context to the some of the earlier conversation that we had. Uh, so a little bit past the three hour mark, but considering everything that we had to cover this week, I'm okay with that. Uh, so next week we might be able to go a little bit more deep into um, some game impressions, but it's still going to be heavy on the news, especially as we go into Tokyo Game Show and of course, whatever the output of the um, the RGG stream is as well. Uh, of course, I know we're all still working, like Adam said, staying up till the middle of the night playing Baldur's Gate. Uh, we haven't really had a, a chance to really talk about Starfield a second time, so we'll try to squeeze that in. Of course, Bait and Kaito's remasters, see if we can get anyone on those. Uh, there's a lot, so we'll see what we can end up queuing up for next week as we go into the fall months. Uh, you can catch all of the news. Uh, I guess one other requisite thing here, just to shout out everything that Josh and Josh and James and Adam and others have all done to cover all of this, because like that's it's something like 50 published posts over the last like four days or something like that it's crazy um so just thank you all for staying on top of that updating all the databases on the back end with the release dates and platforms and things like that uh so we have all the news all up on the site uh at rpgsite.net you can join the discord for the site by hitting the link at the top of the homepage or going to discord.gg rpg site you can still find rpg site on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search for RPG site. You should be able to find us. And we will be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. So until you hear from us next time, stay safe and take care. And we will talk to you all later.